but nevertheless, we are rolling, and uh, this is Badass Records, episode 24, Eric Barkley, Chef Eric Barkley. Uh, I guess episode 13 was a baker's dozen, now we've got our second dozen of episodes, and uh, it's good to see you. Thanks for being here, dude. Good to, good to be here. Thanks for having me, Blair. Yeah. It only took three times. But well. Um, I'm here. Yeah, you're here. You got yourself some lemonade. Uh, you got your, your representing. I love yeah, that. I got my tool. Got my tool shirt. So we met um, at Lock Lloyd. Yep. And uh, you were you were there for a minute. And it was after kind of a, a revolving door, you know, for, for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you were there for a good bit. And I was trying to remember uh, early, earlier this week and a little bit today. Um, I don't remember where and when you got your start in the business and, and, and where you were in between your start and Lock Lloyd. So what was the first first service industry gig? First service industry gig? Well, that was uh, I mean, Coyote Grill. Okay. I mean, if you're... Um, That's right. Yeah, I mean, no, no, take that back. Uh, Hands, 95th Street okay. was my first, my Wait. first job in the service industry. When I got out of high school, went to JUCO for a couple of weeks, and I didn't like that. Made what, the baseball team. You? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I got a couple Fs, and they said that, uh, you know, thanks for coming. Um, you, you can't travel until you get your get your uh, your grades up. You, you weren't kidding about the baseball team. You were on. The, you made the. Yeah, I made the team, no problem. You know, I went out there and tried out, and. My arm hurt like hell, but I still made the team. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you know, went to practices and everything, got to go to one game, and uh, they, you know, the grades came out. And, you know, I'm in a class, you know, I'm taking, you know, food service classes. You know, I'm taking all these classes, basic food prep, and I'm. You were, you were going to go through their yeah, I was going to go through their uh, like. Uh, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean it's a very highly respected program, right? Yes, like uh, world. I mean, I'm yeah, they're very well known. Okay. I mean, around around the United States and you know Johnson County has got a great program. Sure, they've always had. Um, but um, you know, I it was too much. I mean, I'm in a class of thirty students. I, I, I've cooked, but you know, I, I'm, I've been a baseball player. You know, I've been playing baseball in high school, all four years of high school. And, you know, ever Where'd since you go to high school? Uh, Scotland high, in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Warrenburg, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, for, I always forget about your connection to the Carolinas. Yeah. I mean, that was my dad, you know, working at Gilbert Robinson back in, late 60s you know when uh gilbert robinson started started coming coming around is, is that a culinary program too 
or Gilbert Robinson? Yeah. No, that was restaurant. Group. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the restaurant group that he worked for. Okay. All right, so we're kind of getting out of you know, kind of telling you my story how I got into the yeah yeah yeah. So you know, Dad was bartender, you know, worked his way up to uh, manager. He started at Stevenson's Apple Farm. Okay. So he started out as a bartender, worked his way up to a manager. Um, the um, the owners of Stevenson's used to take him to Harry Lloyd, and that was the owner, used to take him to Chicago to um, the uh, National Restaurant Association oh, meetings. Yeah. So that stuff is still headquartered there, right? Yeah. Are those meetings still their show, their annual show? Yeah. Um, so dad being in the, in the business, um, you know, as he got higher up, he got involved in the Missouri Restaurant Association. Okay. So he was a chapter president, a state president. So that's what, when we moved to Atlanta, you know, I'm a little, I'm like five, four or five years old when we moved there, you know. He went there to open up the first Hulans. Oh, wow. They opened up the Hulans on the plaza. He talked them into going to Atlanta. Okay. So he thought that was a great market to start their second, well, their third. So they opened up with Kansas City, St. Louis, then they went to Atlanta. Interesting. Now, not for sure, um, but this is the way my dad told me, you know. So he, he goes down there, and we buy a house, and he starts working there, and you know, grew up on eating nachos and London broil. You know, sure. Take me to work. I'd beg him to take me work on Saturdays. He would go in and, you know, do the books. Hell, I don't know what he had to do, right. you know, but. Front, mostly you know, front of the house. All I know is he would turn me over to the chefs and they would put me on a bar stool and put a big coat on me and have me stuffing, uh, stuffing mushrooms. Really? Yeah. Okay. With the, with the Alouette cheese that okay. they used to use. Okay. So those famous mushrooms that everybody loved, and the horseradish sauce. You know, I was, I was, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember I used to steal French fries from the line cooks in the front window. Oh, there's that Barkley little kid again. You know, maybe have me rolling silverware, doing roll-ups, and I can remember him taking me to drink reviews. Here, try this. Try this. <laughs> Okay. Try this strawberry decorate. Try this Mai Tai, you know. <laughs> nice. Coming out of there, you know, drinking wine at 12 years old. Nice. <laughs> now, he, parents divorced. Uh, dad got caught messing around with the bookkeeper. Uh -oh. I don't know how it all started, but um, anyway, um, I, I can remember one night, dad coming home and late at work. It was late. My mom got bad, and they got in an argument, and I was right in the middle of it. My sister and my brother were asleep, but I was somehow I was up and downstairs, and they got in an argument right in front of me. And all I remember is my mom taking his briefcase and throwing it out the yard, and all I see is papers just going everywhere. Oh shit! <laughs> so, I mean. Next thing you know, I mean, we're I'm in seventh grade and we're moving to North Carolina. I graduated seventh grade and we're up in. Well, we didn't move. We went through the summer. I started going to high school in Atlanta. You went to high school in eighth grade. You oh, really? Eighth through twelfth. Yeah. Okay. So I started out in eighth grade. You know, 
went out for football, made the football team. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, we're, I don't remember anything else. We're on our way to North Carolina. From Atlanta. From Atlanta. Okay. Um, Dad stayed in Atlanta. No, Dad. Uh, or, or, yeah, eventually he moved back to Kansas oh, City. But, uh, he, okay, okay. He came up here. Um, they gave him some restaurants here in town. So he was over some restaurants and became an area director. Okay. So he, he moved himself up. He was originally back here. and Eventually from that, he started running hula hands on the, on the East Coast. He ran them on the East Coast, West Coast. And in the Midwest. Like as a regional? Yeah, he's a regional. They called him area directors back then. Okay, right. So he had six or seven hula hands. However many hula hands they had on the East Coast. He was the guy. He was the guy. Cool. How many restaurants they had in the West Coast from Texas on up to Chicago. I don't know the time frame, the years when he was doing it, but all I can remember, you know, he traveled a lot. You know, when the divorce came and we moved to North Carolina and seen much, you know, I only saw him during the summers. He uh, got transferred out to California and uh, he uh, was staying, living right above the Buena Vista. Now, you know what I mean? If you've been to San Francisco where the cable car crossings are, yeah, um, right across the street on the Buena Vista, there's a, a famous coffee shop or a restaurant called the Buena Vista. And they're famous for their Irish coffees. Oh, okay. So he lived in the apartment right above there. So I can remember every morning waking up and hearing the sound of of the uh, bartenders down there breaking all the bottles. You know, when they were throwing them in the, mm-hmm. they would throw them in the dumpster. Oh. They weren't doing it on purpose. Right. They were just, yeah. and you hear them break. And yeah. Every morning. What the fuck? <laughs> Do that shit at night, goddammit. <laughs> Trying to sleep in. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, quite the experience. You know, got to go out to San Francisco for two summers. Nice. Would play baseball, play lead my Legion ball. You know, go out there and spend a month, month and a half out there until I had to, you know, they would send me back to North Carolina. So that was that was pretty badass. I loved it out there. It's a great city. That can't be a short flight. No, it was pretty long. Yeah. Yeah, we I think we Oh god, I don't I have no idea. I think we went from like Raleigh to Dallas to San Francisco. Sure. You know, something like that, but you know, I always remember it was about an hour and a half flight from Atlanta to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. But you know, then eventually he I graduated from high school and eventually you know, he got transferred back here. So sure. I graduated from high school, finished up my baseball. I wanted to be a chef. I either want to be a chef or a pro baseball player. Sure. But my dad said, you know, out of one and one in a million, make it. I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's pretty rare. Yeah. Shitty so odds. You got to be pretty, pretty fucking talented to. Yeah. You know, and in my senior year, my arm was, you know, gave out. <laughs> You didn't have no pitch counts back then. No. Now they do. You, you were only... pitching? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was, I was a big pitcher. I played ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade. How many pitches did you have? Well, I had a I had a split was my, my best pitch because the, 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 the uh, coaches fell in love with my big old hands. <laughs> they are like, God, look at the hands on this kid. 
So I went out for, my dad says, do not go out for ninth grade baseball. You go out for JV. You go out for JB. So I can remember tossing, tossing the ball and we're just kind of warming up and I know nobody. I mean, I'm coming from the city of Atlanta, you know, big city of Atlanta to the country of North Carolina, the Sand Hills of North Carolina. One high school in the whole county. One high school in the whole county. I mean, like, big competition. Yeah. You know, so next thing I know, the coach for the varsity is asking me to come pitch the scrimmage game against Fairmont. I remember that. The team we pitched against, he let me pitch three innings. I think I gave up a couple of hits, didn't walk anybody, struck out a couple batters, didn't let them score no runs on me. And he's like, you're – First outing? Yeah, ninth grade. Wow. That's impressive. Ninth grade. All of, you know, 155 pounds. Right. I threw probably 75, 80 miles an hour Okay. in ninth grade. And I, I, that's I threw hard. Yeah, that's I threw hard. Um, I was more of a power pitcher. I had no changeup, which I wish to this day I had a changeup. Um, but I had a nasty curve. I had uh, a, a four-seam and a two-seam fastball in that split. So I, I had – What – I mean, I should know, but I don't. Like, wh- what are the difference between a two-seamer and a four-seamer? You got a baseball? I do. There it is up there. Oh. Collector. 94 World Series. 94 World Series. Which, was there a series in 94? There was a strike shortened season. I don't remember. Anyway. But so, but for a, a uh, two-seam, I mean, a two seam was always like this. You're you're going with the seams. You Parallel. put your hands yeah. on the seams. Okay. You know? So I would when I threw my my two seam, I'd hold it just like that. So I'd get some cut on it, so it would move in. Interesting. Into the batter, so you just throw it just like that. If you can see that. Yeah. And the four seam is you, you know, you're going over the over the seams. Okay. Okay. So you're going over the seams. You get a little bit better grip, and I'd hold it just like that. Yeah. And I'd add as grip and i loved a ball with thick thick stitches yeah seams that rose up but the major leagues as you know they don't they don't do that you could intentionally i think so okay but it's not like a, a high school ball where you know you had some good seams on that ball but the seams on a pro baseball flat i mean they don't want you getting any grip on that ball yeah so the bigger your hands the bigger better grip Better spin you can get on your curveball, but I threw my curveball just like that. I would, I would kind of hold it on the seams, and I would kind of hold this finger up. Now I wouldn't put any pressure on it; just throw it like that. And that and that makes that will allow it to drop. Yeah, and I just. Oh, uh, you you rotate your wrist. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, you just come over and snap it off. Yeah. Okay. So, that's kind of the way I. <clears throat> Through my pitches in my split finger, I would hold it just like that. So you get big. So what a split finger would do, it kind of knuckle like a knuckleball. Okay. Oh, so yeah, it's I real mean, hard it would, to predict. Yeah, and it would, it would, you know, it, it's a strikeout pitch. I mean, it's a pitch that looks low, and then it's going to dive into the dirt. It's going to knuckle at you, 
I mean, some people could get it to move around, but it was mostly a, a fastball that knuckled, that kind of kind of dove into dirt. You think it's at the point of contact, you think it's going to be one place and then it's not at yeah. the last. Okay. Yeah. So, but you see that rotation that it's knuckling kind of throws you off a little bit. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Makes you second guess. That? Yeah. Throws off your timing, maybe. So, but yeah, that was a, those were my pitches, but you know, I wish I would have threw a change up, but throw a change up, you know, like that. That's a wild looking, show that to the camera. That's a wild looking grip. Well, you, you just, you, you almost palm it in your hand. Right. You almost palm it. Same rotation. You try to throw it as hard as you can. And it, you know, the way you're holding it takes some speed off of it. So, I mean, that's the way these major leagues make it these days is off speed. Sure. I mean, you got guys throwing 99, 100. Last night, a guy threw a ball 103 miles an hour. You know, and he comes back with a 85-mile-an-hour slider. Good luck. How do you react to that? Uh, I don't think you do. So, <laughs> but, yeah, I was – so what did you did you hyperextend your elbow? Is that what the injury was? No, it was more more on my shoulder. Oh, up under here. I think it was my rotator cuff or whatever. But I mean, I never really had any problems with my elbow or okay. anything. It was mostly. So was that a situation where like some kind of stretching or aerobics could have prevented the injury from happening, or was it going to? Well, if happen? they had that tech, technology now, yeah. Right. Right. But you know, as things. You know, pitchers get wore out. <clears throat> if I wasn't pitching, I was playing first base. and Saving that arm? Yeah. Or I was out in the outfield. Okay. Because I could hit. But I didn't get to hit until my junior year. You know, because there was much better hitters on the team than me. Mm. You know, he wanted to, you know, save me. You know, pitchers, you didn't do nothing. All you did was run and shag fly balls. Run, run, and run, and run, and run. They'd be out there shagging balls, and we're, you know, he used to run, make us run down this old country road to the stop sign and back. It was about a mile down there and a mile back. Jesus. But he wanted you, your legs were your most important strength. Sure. Your legs and your, your inside of your core is where you got your, your power. Your power. Yeah. You know, my my dad always said your arm's like a like a whip. You know, it's kind of like golf too. Your power comes from your legs. And, well, and your hips. The same. I mean, all your technique in shooting a basketball comes from your arm. Your you know, and your wrist. Yeah. And, and but the power. You know, the only way you can drain three is by generating power from your legs. Right. I mean, it's kind of yeah. And there's you a, be there's able a, to get off a, the ground. There's a lot of power generated from your legs in a in a in a slap shot too yeah and even in, in a wrist shot i mean that's more positioning and core but your legs are a big part of it i mean yeah so big strong wrist too yeah dad said god you gotta have strong wrists to play baseball you know you gotta have quick hands and you know react quick and follow that fastball and you know i was a good hitter though i had a couple four or five home runs in high school nice but I didn't get to hit to my junior year, right. so that's when they they really needed me. That's when I got the most valuable player. Very yeah. nice. Then the senior year got most dedicated. But senior year, almost the start of baseball, fractured my ankle. 
Oh shit! Playing basketball in weight class. We had Friday. It was winter time. Let me go and play basketball, and I come down, go up for a rebound, come down on somebody's side of their foot. Ouch! Just snap. It wasn't broken. It was just fucked torn, up. Yeah, fucked up, and had to get a cast, and that really took some power off my basketball. So. I oh wow! To, yeah, so I had to. I developed a. I developed a slider, but uh, first one I threw, somebody jacked a home run off of me, and my coach was like, "Don't do that." Don't again. throw. <laughs> Put that slider back on the shelf, Barkley. And I, and I shook off the sign, so I got in trouble. <laughs> nice. So I was extra, extra five sprints I had to do after the game because <laughs> I shook the, you know. Back then they they called on my pitches. They wouldn't let me call any pitches. They coach. The coach would call the pitches into the catcher. You know, they had their own little signs, and the coach, right. you know, and I didn't take, I didn't start shaking signs off until my senior year. Because <laughs> you get, you get your ass kicked. Right. Well, if the coach starts shaking signs off. So, so grades were no bueno at JUCO. So baseball goes out the window. Baseball so, goes out the window. Uh, I, I start cooking. Okay, and this is that's. Did you say Coyote Grill? No, I started cooking at Hoolahan's. Hoolahan's. Okay, right, yeah. right, right, right. So I okay. got in there. I didn't start cooking off the bat. They put me in the dish room. Sure. Busting tables. Should. Right. You know, so I, I washed dishes for a little while, and I bust tables. And I can remember I would bust tables for lunch and turn around and wash dishes for dinner. Get out of there about 2.30 in the morning. That was a crazy place. How late was their kitchen open? Well, they had a they had a bar in there and then DJ at night on on the weekends. And you could get food late. Well, they'd shut the kitchen down probably eleven o'clock. But after that, then they had appetizers. You could get uh, appetizers, but I mean that place was like a bar back then. Yeah, cool hands was. Yeah, they had a DJ in there and people on the floor dancing and playing music and yeah, it was crazy. Hmm. Yeah, it was a so I mean, busy place. You 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 think uh, back in 1986, 1987, you know Oak Park, the street from Oak Park Mall. What what restaurants are out there? I mean, not many. Not many. You know, TGI Fridays across the street. That was her biggest competition. Right. But I mean, now it's too many out there now. Right. Right. It's. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, where are, so how long were you at Hoolahan's? Um, just only about two and a half years. Okay. That's then a good I little. took off in 89. That's when I went to culinary school. Where'd you go? Scottsdale Culinary Institute. In Arizona? Yeah. Okay. So my, my uncle somehow, he was a chef too, graduated from. R.I.P. Terry Barkley. Yeah. I, I worked with him for a small, a small amount of time. You know this. Yes, I do. That I, I don't know if I told you, but he, did I tell you what he passed away last year? I I just said R.I.P. Terry Barkley. Yeah. Uh, did I tell you? I don't think you did. I don't think you. I think I heard. I think I heard. Um, but I mean, I mean a, a lot. Like not. To, I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but a laundry list of physical health things for many years um i mean the only one that was he, he was diabetic wasn't he mm -hmm. uh and that one like fucked up his feet and yeah. uh i mean well, he was he never, never he, he never stopped drinking 
Well, he, and he was never a slim guy no. that I recall. He was a slim guy. He used to be. Well, I mean. He used to be slim like me. But I, I met him in like 2000. Yeah. And he was not a small man then. He wasn't yeah. huge, but he wasn't slim. Yeah. Uh, but he, he, he was uh, across the chunk of time that I knew him. And, and we worked together in one place. And then we were under the same restaurant group in a different spot in two different locations and uh uh i i he he liked his titos in that time i don't know if that was always his thing but uh and and he wasn't shy about it either he would uh talk you know i I think i think i've heard a story or two where he starts someplace you know and he's work and like finds out that they don't stock it and then very soon they do like (laughs) You will. <laughs> you want, you want, that was terror. You want me making omelets? <laughs> Tito's. Get it in here, you know. Uh, but, like, um, you know, uh, my my few memories of him, uh, kind-hearted dude. Yeah. I mean, he had whatever it was that he was struggling with up here, and we all have our stuff, right? Um, but I, I, I never, um, never once even caught a whiff of like malice. Like, you know, I never got the impression that he was like out to get anybody or no. you know, just, just like a kind, kind, yeah, kind of like a very, teddy bear. Very happy man. I mean, he loved to have a good time. Yep. He loved food. He loved talking about food. He loved, loved concerts. He loved Willie Nelson. <laughs> he loved Willie Nelson. Nice. He loved the Grateful Dead. He, Did he really? I didn't yeah, know that. he loved the Grateful Dead. Okay. Yeah. He was. You've given me some shit for my Grateful Dead flag a time or two. What, what do you mean? Shit? I mean, just walk, show up, and I've got my Grateful Dead. And you're like, Grateful Dead flag, huh? I'm like, yeah. What, 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 oh, I'm just saying. No, I think that's great. Okay. I mean, I, I, that's cool that you're. You know, you. Nah, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm sure you're just flipping me shit. Yeah, I'm just giving you shit. You um, so I don't. So he's been. I gone. don't see too many people have a flag with dancing bears on it. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but coming down the stairs, there's a whole collection of flags. Yeah. And I like to like when the blue. As long as the blues were still alive, my blues flag was up there every day. When the Chiefs on their on their way to, you know. During Chiefs season, my Chiefs flag. Yeah. Right now, fish is on tour. Yeah. So my fish flag. So fish flags. So out there. when you would see that, that was probably because Dead and Co. Dead and Company was on tour, and I had a little window where I I would I would go see them out in Boulder every year, and then after the third year, I was like, I'm I'm not. It's I'm glad I did it. It was fun, but I'm not. It's too expensive, and they're not adding songs to their repertoire really too yeah. much. Uh, so I'm, I'm just, I'm glad I went and did it, but I'm not going to do it anymore, but that's, you know, still have no issue putting the flag up if they're, if they're out, they're out on tour right now, but so is fish. Yeah. That's that's my, that's my bread and butter, but he's, he's been gone for a year. Yeah. I think it'd be August. Okay. No, September. Where was he? He was at his house. Okay. Was he alone? He was. Um, he had been kind of in and out of the hospital. Um, he, he did have a heart attack in the hospital. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. He, he had a heart attack, and um, he got out. Um, they put him in a nursing home for a certain amount of time, and he, then they put him back at home. So he had a uh, nurse coming to see him four days a week. So um, we really don't want, know what happened. I mean, he nurse came over to give him his care, and she found him laying in the, laying in the floor. Damn. You know. Is your is your dad still around? No, dad passed in 2013. Okay, and then yeah. mom was just a few 20, years ago. 2017. 2017. God, already been five years. Yeah. Jesus. I know time flies, man. Wow. Um, so you so so from Hands you go to the Scottsdale program. Mm-hmm. And how was that? Like a two year? Um, it was about a year program. It was pretty okay. quick. Okay. Um, then you did a an externship for with somebody for a year. So I did an for, ex- for no money or no no for money. Okay. Okay. So you didn't go. I mean. Um, what I did while I was going to school is kind of weird. You know, I went to school at three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, cause we had a restaurant there. So we'd have, you know, it was LaCole restaurant. I call it LaCole restaurant, school restaurant. Like LaCole culinaire, like that same word. Yeah. Okay. So you would, you know, and then we would, people would make reservations and come in there and we would, uh, we would do service, um, Wednesday we were didn't have no school Mondays and Tuesdays. Okay, it's weird. Yeah, and uh, we would do service Wednesday through Saturday. All right. So in basic food prep, when I had basic food prep, you <clears throat> you didn't do a whole lot of prep for them. You were you were separate. You they put us in another building, um, a separate building from the main building. You know, it was a couple of blocks away um, where you did your your basic food prep and. Um, you know, learn sanitation, learn how sure. to use a knife, learn how to chop onions. And have like have you watched The Bear? The Bear? Yeah. You got to watch it. I'll send it to you. You got to, do you have Hulu? Yeah. You got to watch The Bear, dude. It's really good. So the cooking show? Or? Uh, it's a, it's a TV show, um, about, uh, a dude who went to like a really, really nice program, uh, and his uncle, has run this basically Italian beef sandwich place for years. And then he dies and leaves it to him. And he's got, he wants to come in there and and make it a legit establishment. Like they've already got sales. They've got customers. They're famous to kick it up a notch and, and, and and make it modernize it and make, but make it run the way, you know, not just some dingy old sandwich shop. End product is good, but all the steps to get it there are just kind of like he wants to make it anyway. It's so good, uh, and it's I think it's only eight episodes, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's, but you know, I mean, I hammer, I blasted through it in like one or two sittings because it was. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so your program was a year, and and you had class and then service Wednesday. Yeah, you would actually. I mean. When you got to back line, you go from, you went to basic food prep to back line, and that's where they started teaching you, you know, your sauces and your, you know, and your meat fabrication and, and 
teaching you how to make reductions and fab meats and make breads and, you know, do desserts and stuff like sure. that. But we had, you know, and so you would, that food would go up to the line, you know, so you would fab it and take it up to the line. Then they had, you know, the class that was up on the line, they were getting ready to graduate. That was their last haul. So you got to. And they're, and they're plating what you fab. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they, they would cook it up there, but yeah. we would just fire, it for fire them and plate. Just like a normal restaurant. Yeah. It would, it would go up to the front line, but. You know, you got to play bartender too. You got to play host. That's you got to wait cool. on a table too. It's a good give you the whole yeah, snapshot. Yeah, kind of. You know, briefly went into restaurant management, and you know, it was more hands-on. You know, you didn't have a whole lot of class sitting in class, which I love that. I, I mean, love. based on how Juco went, good thing for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I had seven students in my class. Scottsdale. Okay. Versus thirty. Right. You get a and lot more. One chef. <clears throat> a lot more hands on. Yeah. The chef's right there to show you, and you know, which first six weeks I forget. First six weeks was my uncle. <laughs> he was an instructor there. What? He got the job, and that's how. Wait, I wait. Went. Time out. Did did you? Is that how you knew about the program? Because he was there, or did you? Yeah, okay. that's how we found out about it. My dad. Okay. He got the job there. And um You comfy holding that ball? Yeah. Okay. I enjoy holding okay. the baseball. I, you look it looks natural. It really does. <laughs> but anytime you don't want to hold it, you can I'll, I'll take it away from you. So you, All right. but keep doing what you're doing. But uh Yeah, he He started working there, you know, and next thing you know, my dad's like, You're going to culinary school. Okay. Uh, okay. All right, so you're next thing you know, you have a brother and a sister, and uh, are you in the middle? I'm in the middle. Okay, and Lane was in San Francisco. My sister, hell, I don't remember where she's at. I think she was still going to high school. Okay, she's still finishing up high school, but I remember taking off, and you know, my dad when I get up when I got up here, he bought me a old piece of shit Volkswagen, which the floorboard. Somebody stepped in back the floorboard. A bug? Yeah. Okay. It was old. I mean, uh, it was sounds the like it. bottom of it was rusted. And this guy, I was taking this, these, this guy wanted to go up and see his girlfriend at K-State. So he stepped in the back, got in the back seat, and he foot right way through the floorboard. That's all I can remember. Wow. <laughs> I'm driving that damn thing up there. I remember we hit, it's colder and shit. It's like January, February. He's up in the dorm room, doing whatever with that girl, and we're we have we're sitting in the car waiting on him. It's freezing, freaking cold. The Volkswagens are not notorious for no, like excellent heating systems, no. especially with that hole in the floor. Yeah. <laughs> that never helps. <clears throat> but then again, he, you know, I think he paid four hundred bucks maybe for that. <laughs> that yeah, that Carolina blue Volkswagen. That, oh, okay, all right, all so, right. Then um, he bought me a Honda Civic. Well, he put the put down payment down on it. Sure. I remember, I remember that Civic was about nine grand. That's what it cost, brand new, and that was back in '87. He, he, he bought you a brand new car. Yeah. Oh shit. Well, yeah, that was his goal. He wanted to buy brand new cars for his kids. You know. He wow. Wanted, 
but they were pretty much standard. There was nothing on them, no now, AC, no nothing. He bought my sister one. He bought me one. And he's is he still uh, area directing for Hulahan? Yeah. Okay, so he's he's actually he's, in Kansas City now. So he's do, he's doing all right. He was in San Francisco. Okay. He moved back from San Francisco to Kansas City. Buying his kids new cars isn't going to break the bank for him. Yeah. Okay. But then he then he sent me off to school. Did you take the car? Yeah. I oh. took the car, and I followed him down there in the Lexus. He had a Lexus, one of those big-ass Lexuses, the four-door Lexus. And I remember following him down there in my Honda. What year is this? This is like 87. God, has Lexus I mean, been around that long? You know, I don't even know what the hell he was driving. We were coming back. I remember coming back from culinary school. He was driving the Lexus. Okay, so. okay. But, yeah, it was 89. Uh, yeah, 89 feels like about when the... T- 88, 89. I became aware of their yeah. existence. I was like, what? what? That's a what? It was but, a whole new... Okay, all right. I mean, Dad had a Porsche 944. And I know he had a, a Honda Accord. Um, maybe he drove that Honda down there. Did you ever get to drive that 944? Yeah, I did. Was it fun? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was 16, because that's when I was out in San Francisco. That reminds me now how old I was. I was 16 when we were out there. Okay. He let so, you drive that thing in San me, Francisco? Well, he let me drive it off across the Golden Gate Bridge. We were He drove it over to Sausalito to go to eat Hulands across the bay, and I got to... He let me drive it back. That's cool. Across the he let you punch bridge. it a time or two? Um, I don't remember. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so much traffic. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't... Even then. Yeah. Just always traffic there. No, but, uh, yeah, he and he had a Porsche Boxster and he had a, a Mini Cooper when the Porsche Boxsters came out, new body style. They, he, didn't, they didn't make a whole lot of those, did they? Boxsters? I'm not, I'm not for sure. Okay. Yeah. He ordered it. I mean, he was like the first one that ever ordered one. I mean, he found out he had Road and, Road and Track magazine. He always had a bunch of car magazines, you know. And I think that's the way he found out that, you know, Porsche was... They they, they built a Roadster a long time, you know, years ago. Okay. But then they just come out with a new model of a Sure, Boxster. sure. And it was fat, man. That thing was silver. He showed it. He was a member of the Porsche Club here in Kansas City. Yeah. Fancy. Yeah. So the program in Arizona is a year, and then yeah, you, it was about a year. Then you did it. Then you did an extra externship, and then yeah. you and then you're back in KC. Then I, you know, came back to KC. Going back, I briefly when when Coyote, you know, Paradise Diner opened first with PB and J uh-huh. Park Mall. Okay. Yeah. Um, then is, they opened. Is up. that the zoo themed? Is that am I thinking? the right place you know what i'm talking about it's like safari you think thinking rainforest cafe yeah that's what i'm thinking no of. they put a rainforest cafe in there after pb and j left out of there oh, okay okay yeah well parrot was paradise diner good food was it not? yeah okay yeah okay. i mean we're going back i mean when i helped open coyote grill coyote grill was just opening up okay then i worked there about two months and took off and went to culinary school they told me you know Sure, go to culinary school, come back, we'll make you a chef. Well, I, I come come back, you know. So, but um, going back, um, yeah, I just went and 
my dad told me, you know, why don't you go over there and talk to Paul and Bill, Paradise Diner. They'll give you a job, you know. So my, you know, went in there, and Paul and Bill were in there, and who are you? I'm Ron Barkley's son. Oh, oh yeah. Look, you looking for a job? Yeah, I want to cook, you know. You any good? I don't know, you know. What the hell? I'm all right, I guess. <laughs> Never filled out an application for that company. Never. Even, they told me to show up. Even to this day? No. Wow. Never. So, Coyote Culinary, back to Coyote, and how long are you there? I'm at Coyote Grill. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a year or two. Okay. Then they send me down to Grand Street. Oh. So, you know, Coyote Grill had opened. Coyote Grill had been open a year and a half, two years. So they're time to expand. So that's when they, they came up with the concept Grand Street Cafe. On the plaza. On the plaza. Okay. It opened up. Um, Did you open it? No. Okay. No. Um, six months, eight months. I think they sent me down there after it had been open. Because next restaurant was Yaya's. Mm. So they took the executive chef, which is Dana Wallerman, which who opened Grand Street Cafe, sent him over to Yaya's to open up Yaya's in Leewood. Right. Um, which that made Michael Peterson chef at uh, Grand, Grand Street. Street. Okay. Todd Brooks was already there. And I come in after, and they bring me down there. So the team was me, me, Todd Brooks, and Michael Peterson. Okay. You know Todd Brooks? I don't, but I know I know Michael. Yeah. And he's still over the Beer KC group. Yeah, far as, yeah. Like uh, Mickey's and uh, Beer Kitchen. Char and Bar. Char Bar and. Uh, beer Kitchen. Yeah, yeah, just the three, because they're still. When they made, they, yeah, Mickey's Hideaway. Yeah. What was it before? Oh, Port Fonda. Now they have Port Fonda too. Oh, do they? They yeah. own that. They yeah, took yeah. over that. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think Michael's been pretty involved in getting that open off the ground. <coughs> but yeah, that's. So you go to Grand Street, and then and then then you're at Yaya. Did you go to Yaya's? No, oh. never worked at Yaya's. Okay, where'd you go so from my, Grand Street? Grand Street went back to Coyote. Okay. They were uh, gonna open Paulo and Bills. Yep. Yep. So they took the executive chef out of Coyote, sent him to Paul and Bills. Yep. Jerry Bonner. Okay. Peterson told me to go beg for the job. You want it? Go get it. Go tell him you want the job. The Paul and Bills job? No, the Coyote Grill. Oh, job. okay. Okay. Go tell him you. I went in there and said, I want to go be executive chef at Coyote Grill. And? They let me do it. Nice. Sent me over there. How long How long did you have the title? Um, Right then, I was like 28. Okay. And I remember running Coyote Grill. Um, they opened Paul and Bill's. Their next concept was Yahoo's. Which was close to Yaya's, right? Was it across the parking lot? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It was it. Um, so then they send me over to Yaya's. I mean, shit. From Coyote Grill over to, to Yahoo's. Mm-hmm. And I go from Yahoo's to Grand Street, back to Yahoo's. And that's when I, I left in 2001. Okay. To take the job at the National. 
Ah, okay. And which you had for a little bit, didn't you? 13 and a half years. Damn. That's wild. So That's 13 a- and a half years up there. Worked 11 and a half with PB&J. 11, 11 and a half, I think. Okay. That's some loyalty, man. I mean, of all the times that you've talked to me about the National, and there were a couple of key people that you all would always reference, uh, I never realized that it was anywhere close to that long. I always figured it was a couple years, three and a half years. 2001 to June 2nd, 2014. June 2nd. You got that hardwired in, huh? Uh, and from there, are you, do you go to, did you? No, from, um, from, uh, the national, I go straight to PB and J go back, mm-hmm. which wasn't very smart. I didn't like it. Um, but aren't you back under that umbrella currently? Isn't your current gig under the PB? No, no, no. no, no. But it's a group, right? It's a group that oversees several properties, isn't it? I'm with Guest Services now. Okay. Guest Services is, um, they started back in, uh, God, 1920s, serving. They, you know, they needed somebody to feed these people at the Pentagon and feed these government workers in Washington, D.C. Okay. They developed this company and they developed, you know, people come in there and start feeding these people at lunch. Okay. So eventually they came, this big contracting company, they did a lot of work for the government. They still do. They still feed. Okay. They still feed people at the Pentagon lunch. Seriously? To this day. Wow. That's a hundred years. Yeah. They've been around that long. They're the oldest food service contracting company in the United States. I'm pretty sure. But uh, the people that you're feeding now are, are residents. Of yeah, they're okay. residents. Okay. Are they all older or? Are residents? Yeah. Um, You got to be 62. So oh, they all okay. Get over 62. Yeah, gotcha. So um, I don't think there's a whole lot of them in there that are under 60, under 65. Okay. But we've, we've got some. We got some some old ones in there. Yeah. They're in their nineties, late eighties. We just had one gentleman, John Henning, just turned ninety. Okay. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, John. Uh, <laughs> and he always shows up late to, for dinner. Because <laughs> he's what's he doing? Watching TV or something? I don't know what he's doing, but he come down tonight. You know, it was twenty to seven. You know, You're like you know, dinner's at five, right? You can't tell him that. No, I know. He just, he doesn't, they lose track of time. Sure. I mean, he's 90 years old, man. Right. Just, so for somebody with all of the uh, education and experience that you have, being in the position that you're in now, without knowing, because I don't know, but it sounds like you, you would a position like that would be somewhat limited in the creativity department. Yeah, it's limited. I okay. mean, there is, but. You know, I'm 54 now. Um, I, I'm. I thought you told me upstairs you were 49. You're 54. No, I'm just kidding. You told me you, you look 49. You look, look 49. Right. It depends on I, if I grow my beard out and 
you know, let my hair grow up under my chin and I look a little rough and I. Every every bit of 54. Yeah, I look every (laughs) bit of 54. But, you know, I think um, this cooking keeps me keeps me slim. Well, that's that's kind of where I'm going with this, because like um, to me, there have always been a couple of different camps in the in the cooking slash hospitality industry. And one camp is uh, I needed a job at X point in my life and service industry is always looking for hands and help. And, uh, so you can get in, you can get, here's the dishwasher. You close this door and then you open this one, you pull them out and there's the shelf. You put them on. You make sure they're clean. Yep. And then if you show some interest and you're punctual and dependable and maybe you can, right. This day and age, it's, you gotta have a good attitude, but so that's, (laughs) that's one camp. And sometimes people, well, like I wound up 20, you know, 20 years in, like, what am I doing? Like, I don't, you know, and then there's the other camp, which I think you're a part of, which is like, no, I, I want, this is what I want to do. I no, really, this is, this is my career. Right. I mean, this was my craft. This was my passion. I and, knew and it you was just really were, young age. And you were just saying that cooking keeps you, keeps you what? Keeps you I, young at heart. I think it, now, I mean, I, I didn't think like that back in my 20s and 30s right. and 40s. And, but now, I mean, now that I'm almost 55, it I, keeps me on my feet, keeps me active. Um, you know, I, I'm really been really trying to eat better i mean it's back, huge back in the day i mean back when i worked at the national you know you slept until you had to get up mm-hmm. you went took a shower you put on your clothes you went to work yeah it's a miserable neat it's a miserable life i mean in some senses i mean that's 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 why i was the angry chef well that's, I, that's i didn't that's also where I'm going with this because when I met you, you know, at first, you know, I'm just annoying sales rep guy. Eventually you warm up a little bit and you start BSing, you get to know one another. And then, you know, uh, something happens, a mistake from my end or, or the company that I represent or whatever. And I start hearing little pieces of phrasing come out from you and eventually it becomes no you don't understand i was notoriously a hothead for a long time and if you if this were the old me i would have already ripped your skull off and shit down your throat and i'm like excuse me you know so you've 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 mentioned that over this uh, some time ago now but uh you, you used to mention that from time to time um and i've always been i've never even thought to ask like what was the impetus for the shift? Like, how did you, how are you now? Like I used to be this guy. I used to be angry, angry chef, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm, what happened? Something. I I, I fucking grew up and I, I got wiser, you know, and I just, you know, I got a little bit more time on my hands now. I'm not more working, you know, 60 hours a week. You know, I got some time to think and, 
you know, and I just look back at myself and like, I was really a fucking dick. I mean, I was an asshole because I wanted something done right. And I wanted it done right. And if you didn't do it, you know, I would be angry. Hmm. I had that passion. Right. Yeah. yeah you I want... mean, it was, and it was PB and J. What, you know, PB and J was a hard company to work for. Hard company. Stress. Stress. Very stressful. You know, owners just they want things right. I can understand. They put yeah. a lot of money on this. They want things right. They want perfect food, which there's no such thing as per perfect food. I figured out. We strive to get there, but you're never going to make the food perfect. It's the, it's the effort that counts. It's the effort, but, you know, it's the, but, um, you know, that was the culture. I felt that was the culture. I look back, you know, and it was just like. some Somebody or some people unintentionally or otherwise sculpted you into a dick or an angry chef or whatever. But like, we were all like that. Right. We were all had that passion. We were all hungry. We all wanted to make it to the executive chef position. Sure. Everybody was fighting to get, you know, but, I mean, it was, a, I mean, you, you couldn't be a wimp and go work there. No. Because the owners, you had to take criticism. You had to take their criticism. Well, I've shared with you uh, my one or two run-ins with crooks, haven't I? Because I was the I was I opened Chicken and Pickle, and it was like um, Alex Stop. Cisco. Yeah, Alex Stop was the chef, and uh, Bill Coning. Yes, was the GM, and he was you know very nice, but very. Like very clear, point. like you. This is what you will do. What? Oh, oh, all right. Yeah, sure. that's the way they are. Well, I mean. and, and so that you know, and then and then just by happenstance, a couple times I wind up in the building, and Koning's like, "You're answering to Crooks today." I'm like, "What? What?" And then all of a sudden he's here and he's like, "Do this," and as the word "this" is exiting his mouth, he no longer wants to engage with me. He's like. Move on, move along. I told you, and, and now I don't want to look at your face anymore. Like, don't report back if you haven't done this. And it's just like, uh, okay, like you know, and you, you feel like immediately the stress just starts to. So, and and that's like three or four or five encounters total. Well, I, over a few months, not working, working with them yeah. for eleven and a half years. Bill Crooks was a country boy from trenton missouri okay very intense man um very rude he can be very rude at times i mean make you feel like a piece of shit you know he was rough i mean he might have thought that you actually were a piece of shit and hence Probably you feel that way call you up and on the phone? Oh, yeah. He'd call you up and give you hell about food cost and labor. And, you know, it was a never-ending battle. You couldn't do nothing right for him. You couldn't. You couldn't. I mean, I. that's one of the reasons. I mean, I. 
the reason I, I you know, there's a million reasons I, reason I left. I mean, co-executive chefs with Tim Healy, I didn't like that. I mean, it just co-executive chefs and no, just didn't work. We mm. were button heads left and right, you know. He's writing the schedule and he's giving me a shitty ass schedule and I'm, <laughs> you know, you're making me, you know, all mids and close, closes, yeah, close inventory open. I, I snapped at him one day. Um, he left for like three hours, tucked his tail between his leg and left. The premises? Yeah, I'm the wow. co-executive chef yeah. with me because. He that was yeah. so wrong for him to just schedule me like that, and you always got the good schedule. Right. It was just unfair. Five I mean, five opens, off off five opens. No, he would never open. Oh, he's working mids or what? No, it was me and Kendall would open. Okay, and we would, you know, he would do middles mostly, yeah, mids, where he yeah, just yeah. go up on the line, stand there, wait for a ticket. You know, then numbers come out, and he'd blame everybody else. He blamed everybody for food costs was high and labor costs high. He'd blame everybody else. Dude, it's everybody's problem. Right. It's all of our yeah. problems, not just you. And I just we didn't we didn't get along. We butted heads. My dad, the guy that hired me was his name was Carl Brandt. He big MRI guy. My dad had worked for him. He worked for Gilbert Robinson. So he was the president of the national. Okay. So that's how I got hired on. So a minute ago when you said uh, you're trying to, you're putting some effort into eating, right? Does that mean you're actually eating or you've changed your diet or? No, I, I, you know, it's either oatmeal and fresh berries or it's yogurt and fresh berries. In the morning. With some granola on top every morning. Okay. I don't. I take a probiotic now, um, and it, it's made a difference in the world. Maybe. I mean, that's not the only thing you're eating for the whole day, is it? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. I'm usually eating lunch. Um, okay. Usually that yogurt goes through me pretty quick and come 11, 30, 12 o'clock, I'm ready to eat something, yeah. but I don't eat a whole lot. I mean, I might eat a half a hamburger or something. If I wolf down a big hamburger, I'm going to be tired. Yeah. I'm going to be sluggish. And, and feel like shit. Yeah. 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 And you don't want to do that because you got to keep going. Yeah. You can't stop. Well, and that's the, that's the crazy, that's where I, I wound up. Uh, and I think a lot of people do. You sleep until that last possible second shower, put on your clothes and you're out the door. And then you, you can, I don't know how you can Did just you nibble all day. You might take a, a chip, couple of French fries, fries or yeah. you might eat a, you know, you got a chicken breast left over. You might nibble on that chicken breast just enough to. Where you're buy you another ninety minutes until you know, yeah yeah you know just enough to but uh, that's you know, a, and that's I a, come and I I look back at myself and that's think to myself that's why I'm fucking cranky I mean and, I, uh, earlier you're like we're all fighting for the executive chef job everybody's hungry literally everybody's hungry because <laughs> nobody's eating I mean hungry for yeah the career part I mean, but you didn't. I mean, it was, it was a cult back then. You wanted to work for this man. You wanted to work for Paul and Bill. Yeah. I you mean, wanted to. They were the group for... They were, you know... I mean, that's where fried chicken salad started. No kidding. 
I swear to God, I mean, I don't know of anybody in the restaurant industry back then was putting coconut chicken on a salad. I know we had one down in Westport, but it was not coconut. It was just breaded tenders and, you know. Well, I never had a fucking salad with fried chicken, coconut fried chicken. Interesting. You know, it was just a chef that that worked there. I think his name, George Lawrence. I mean, accidentally. Accidentally came up with this as a special. Yeah. You know, we're going to, we're going to do some chopped romaine and some head lettuce mixed together with some Jack and cheddar cheese, some hard boiled eggs, diced tomatoes, artichoke, no artichoke. I mean, no red onions. Okay. And, and fanned out avocado. Yeah. Okay. There you go. And, you know, some chopped up coconut chicken on top with the honey mustard drizzle. Yeah, honey mustard's the key. The honey mustard was the, and and I can remember back at Paradise Diner. I mean, we had this little ass little fryer, little fryer. I mean, that thing like this with two baskets. The baskets were that wide. Then we had a big fryer, but we that's where we had to cook our French fries, yeah. and. It was nonstop. I mean, you could work at Paradise Diner and hang. You could go work anywhere. Nice. I, I swear to God. I That's mean, great. It made, you know, working at Paradise Diner because, dude, you, they had no stoves in the back. I mean, this is how. No stoves in the back. No, prep, in this is how cheap Paul was. I mean, he would get a place and. You know, you had a eight burner stove on the line. You had a griddle that was maybe, you know, a foot, foot and a half wide. Then a fryer, then the grill, and then another little fryer. So, prep and saute are sharing eight burners. Yes. Fuck that. There was no such thing. It was one damn station. Saute and salads were together. Then there was the grill. But it can only hold three people. Okay. If you get a fourth up there, you're shoulder to shoulder. No thanks. Tight, tight, tight. Yeah. So that that's where he all started, and that's how it all that salad. What made PB and J to this day is that that Corey's fried chicken salad. It's still on their menu at Grand Street. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. It's still on the menu at Grand it's still Street. Still got coconut in it. Huh? Still got coconut in it. Yeah. Ugh. Not for me. But they, um, it's good. I mean, so I can, I remember at Coyote Grill, we, 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 I, I can't remember. I think it was 30, 40 pounds a day that we would bread chicken to hand bread them. You know, standard breading procedure. Sure. You know, flour, egg wash, buttermilk and eggs. And, yeah. You know, then you had coconut and panko. That's what they breaded them in. Must so, have been buying a lot of coconut. Yeah. But I remember we had to have one person steadily just do coconut chicken all day. And they had a... Because you're, you're frying to order, right? Yeah. Oh, no. They won't let you pre-cook can't, right. anything. I mean, if he caught you cooking a chicken breast, pre-cooking a chicken breast, we would always drop extra when he wasn't there. Yeah, of course. I mean, we had to. Yeah. You had to. Otherwise, you're getting yelled at from Expo, right? Yeah. And. Fuck you, man. Come back here and help. You know, that, that that's never a good. 
no across the window back talking and yeah. i was always back talking and you didn't call that in my all day you didn't say that well we need another sure fire chicken to sell bar i might not have you didn't call that fucking fire it anyway man <laughs> i might not have called it but i need you to fire it. i mean it was you either you either sank or swim sank or swim in yeah. that place you, you either got it or you don't but that's what made me the chef i am today sure i i hate the company now they're yeah, you're I went not, back to them and you're not being shy that's for sure you know i'm they just you know I, i'm not gonna say yeah no <laughs> i feel gonna, you i feel you i'm uh, not gonna go into but um you know so going back to uh long before all that stuff uh did were your folks were they do you know how they met my folks met in high school. Okay. Right the down high. Perver- really? Yeah. Proverbial high school sweetheart kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then um, did they, were they, were they playing music in the home when you guys were little? Do you remember or? No, I don't remember. I'm more, I remember more of my brother. Okay. Brother, you, sister. Yeah. Right. Okay. Brother was six years older than me. Oh, so, shit. Okay. Yeah. And then what's the split between you and sister? Four. Okay. We're just kind of spread out. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, so what kind of stuff was your brother playing? Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Cream, um, Aerosmith. Um, it's a lot of good stuff right there, man. Yeah. Um, Jimi Hendrix. Did you dig it all? Yeah. Could, oh, yeah. Uh, what is this? Yeah, yeah, I dug it. Were you guys close? I yeah. mean, oh, yeah, six years close. is okay. Yeah. But would he be like, check it out? This is yeah, yeah, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, play records. I okay. Mean, that's what I've got, you know, and you'd sit around and put a record on and sit there and listen to it. Yeah. And look at the, the album look art. Look at the album, check yeah. it out. Yeah. And, you know. Check out some credits, see who's writing shit, who's playing what. Yeah. Nice. You know, and, but I, you know, I remember him listening to Led Zeppelin. The Beatles, a lot of the Beatles. I mean, Rolling Stones, shit. I almost got them. Always Rolling Stones. He loved Rolling Stones. Okay. I mean, not until he gets into high school and then he starts picking up on the, the dead. And I don't know when the, the Grateful Dead really started playing. You know, I know they were, you know, in that, you know, I don't know how old Jimi Hendrix was to versus jerry sure. garcia the age group right you know but you know i remember um what's that one song um god it was i drove my chevy to the levee to the oh, levee was american driving. pie good old boys are drinking whiskey and why don don mclean american pie i remember that song my i remember that song to this day my my brother playing a lot okay okay my brother was like you know, he was really into, he loved the guitar riffs. You know, he'd say, you know, you got to listen to this, listen to this guitar. Sure. You know, just block out everything else and just listen to that guitar. Where did he develop his affinity for music, do you think? You know, I don't, I don't know. Okay. It was, if it was, you know, Uncle Terry or that inspired him, you know, that age. But sure. I mean, I think it was a lot of the, his buddies he was hanging out with in high school and stuff. Okay. But. Um, 
Yeah, he had a he had a love. I can remember, you know, big love for for music. I can remember him, my mom taking him and dropping him off at a Rolling Stone concert and going back and picking him up. Nice in Atlanta. I remember that. Wow. Uh, so how about, uh, I mean, eventually I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that you begin acquiring your own music. Yeah. I mean, I start, was there a first, uh, album purchase or, or handful of purchases that you remember? I don't, you know, I don't remember buying any music really until I got into high school. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what, what'd you start buying? What'd you buy early on? I remember Van Halen was probably my, you know. Which one? 1984. I remember when 1984 came out. So do I. Um, 100%. And I went to school. I mean, this is when 84, that was when I'm in North Carolina. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't think my parents were married yet, but my, my mom and her boyfriend or they got in a big fight. I think they were married. So my mom and my stepdad, they got in a big fight. We packed up and we moved to Kansas city Okay, for about six months and they got back together and we moved back to North Carolina. But I can remember that Christmas, that's when... Van Halen, 1984, came out. I can remember that. And I remember going to school and telling a guy that I got that album. On vinyl? Well, no, I think it was in a cassette. Cassette, back, sure. Back then. And he was so jealous of me. I mean, I, maybe maybe the greatest piece of album art, one of the greatest pieces of album art of all time. Yeah. Kid I mean, so that's, with the smokes and the angel wings and the hair and... So, and also, what a baller record. God, that was a good record. Yeah. It still is. So, and I can remember my brother back in 82, 83, 84. It's kind of when R.E.M. came out. Okay. And uh, that's one group I fell in love with at a young age. I mean, they were alternative rock. Sure. They were different. To say the least. You know, they were from Athens, Georgia. They just, and I can remember we're in, um, we're in San Francisco. My brother takes me over to Berkeley Coliseum or Berkeley, I mean, uh, California College was in, Berkeley, whatever. And super, I remember, super conservative area. Yeah, and we that's where we went and saw R.E.M. live. I remember wow. that. And I was probably 15, 16 years old. Okay. And so, enjoy? Yeah. Babel's Other Reconstruction, man. Dude, so. that blew me. When you gave me your list, that blew me. I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Especially considering who else was on the list, which we'll get to. I know, it's kind of... But I can remember... You know, those were the days when Metallica, that that was my, I can remember listening to Justice for All. I mean, you know, that, that, that beat, you know. Well, let's hold on. Time out, time out, time out. We got to, we're going to, we're going to go chronological order, release. Okay. 
So <laughs> Fables is 85. 85. Yeah. Um, they, I, I mean, I kind of knew, but I didn't know that they've been around since 1980. Uh, and they put out 15 records. This was number three. So this is a long time before we get like losing my religion and orange crush and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but they, they dropped out of, of school. You know, they're doing whatever they're doing in yeah. Athens or university of Georgia or whatever. So, yeah. and, and they dropped out to pursue this band thing. And it's funny. Uh, you mentioned, uh, what was the color that you used to describe the bug with the, with the floor hole in the floorboard? Carolina blue. Carol- so they had, uh, their manager, you know, I just just learned all this by just Did googling. Do some little research there. Uh, would drive them around on tour in an old blue van. They're literally the band's manager, and they each had a meal allowance of two dollars a day. Oh my god! Yeah. So I mean, money is tight, to say the least. Um, but uh, there was pressure to include gu- guitar solos and synthesizers while recording their first record, and they refused. They refused, and their and the album was a success. So it's kind of like not only are they writing and creating music that's different and and appealing, but they're also saying we're not following your blueprint, right? I mean, anyway. Um, yeah. Did you? Um, oh, uh, Fable. So Fables was their third. They recorded it in England. Oh, did they? And they were miserable. Because it, they had, they said the food was shitty and everybody was cold, and so eventually, like the feeling, kind of spilled into the record. So you get like this kind of thing, like not not that the music is miserable, but like the there's a little bit of a mood that's a little blue, yeah. you know, kind of feeling. Um, they invited the Minutemen to tour with them in '85. All this shit, I was like, what fucking really? Um, did you, so? Did you, uh, you you enjoyed fables? Did you remain? In yeah, I okay. mean, I remained following them. Not as, but I can remember when Green. What was it? Their album with the Orange Crush on it. Yeah, was it Green yeah. or um, I don't. Um, I think you're right. But then, then you know that album came out. Then I all of that stuff. But, but that's when. Yeah, every time I get around my brother, we would listen to REM. Nice. You know, I don't know, I don't remember listening to so much REM when I was in high school, because I, you know, I, I, I don't know if my buddies would like that music. You know, we were all into metal. I mean, it, heavy metal. Okay. Okay. You know, and heavy metal and Run DMC. Nice. That was good combo. Run DMC and Metallica. <laughs> you know so. It's my Adidas in. Yeah, yeah. So, a couple more notes. Automatic for the People, 1992, had several songs with string arrangements by John Paul Jones, bass and key player from Led Zeppelin. Wow. It's like, what? He's helping produce REM records? Wow. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, 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 Maps and Legends. That's I, I a like, great song. I like, I like how that one starts. Uh, yeah. Green Grow the Rushes. Yeah. Uh, like a, this peculiar feeling of like, I've heard this before, but I know I haven't. It's just some kind of odd familiarity to it, but fascinating yeah. tune. I mean, they had, you can hear like a little, what's those little guitars? Those little 
God, I'm trying to think. Um, they, they played a lot of instruments. Well, it, the record closes with a song called Wendell G. Wendell Gee, and it's got like a banjo and yeah, ba- yeah, backing banjos. vocals. Yeah, cool stuff on it. But they, I mean, you listen to their music to this day, 2022. They they were they were way ahead of their time. Uh huh. I think. Yeah. I mean, way ahead yeah. of their time. They're very. Their guitar player, those those guitar riffs, and I mean it. I mean, I get chills right now just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. And I've been, you know, I just went back, you know, on my Apple Music, you know, and I started looking. Oh, some REM, and I want to listen to some REM, you know. So, you know, next thing you know, I'm. I got all their albums downloaded now, and I'm listening to all kind. Of, you know, I'm listening to REM. A lot. Yeah. You know, I um, go back and forth, but for sure. You know. uh, so that was '85, and then uh, we've got three more to to go over real quick. But I, I want to get a beverage and pee, and then got to pee again. I, I told you before we started, I'd have to pee every forty five minutes or so. But you know, okay. I don't know how much liquid I've consumed today, but it's a lot, especially when it's this. I mean, I know. last night, Brutal. last night around ten, it cooled off a little bit. And it, it, I, I remember feeling, t- letting the dogs, I'd be like, oh, this is not so murderous. And then this morning when I left the house, I was like, I can feel that it cooled off and it kind of stayed there. It's still hot as can be. But, but anyway, yeah, I'm just, I mean, pounding water and soda water, whatever I can just. Gatorade? Yeah, yeah. Let's, Today it was uh, lemonade and water. When I get myself something, can I get you something? Soda, water. Sure. Give me one of those small Cokes. Okay. Those are the best. So before I forget, I'm, I've always, you know, I have three younger sisters. So uh, the idea uh, of having an older brother that turned you on to music has always been, it's been a, like a, like it's romantically appealing to me. Like, oh, you know, how cool would that be? Like, get turned on. Anyway, so what? Where? What I'm curious about is, uh, did your brother eventually get into metal as well? No, you know he. Interesting. He was into, you know, he's into hard rock. I mean, he was into rock and roll, just straight up rock and roll. I mean, he and, never... and there's like a lot of people. Like, I'm, you know, not trying to be snobby about this, but it meant to me. It's always important to to know who belongs in what category. You know, you hear somebody say, uh, I'm into metal, like I like ACDC. It's like, bro, that is hard rock. Yeah. And it's not rock and roll, and it's not metal. Metal has got a very long list of band- outfits that belong in it, and that's not one of them. So, no. but, so he never got into it. So how did you... I mean, you... He, he, he was into ACDC. Sure, yeah, he hard rock. To, yeah, he listened to ACDC, Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin. So what was it, how did you wind up sort of deviating from, you know, his influential path or whatever to, but now you're in high school and you're, you're, you and your buddies, I'm guessing are, are all into metal. Like how did, how did that happen for you? I don't know. I just, I, I like that head banging shit. Okay. Know? All right. Just, so Fables was 85 and then, and justice for all is three years later. Um, t- talk to me about this. How how is this? What what's special about this record for you? 
I don't know. I mean, it was it was the first time I ever listened to Metallica. You know, and Justice for All was. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I just remember a bunch of guys in the car. I got Justice for All in the in the in the cassette deck, deck yeah. in the tape deck in my mom's car, and we're just. You know how that? Yeah, I mean, with so this thing opens with black. So I've, by the way, I have, I have never, you never listened to, it? not one time in my life. I've been around buddies. I have buddies that are Metallica, but I've never, I've never been a metal guy. So I've never actually sat down and consciously listened to Metallica until now, and so blackened is the first song that I've ever like, I, I know plenty of Metallica songs, right. From my friends, from yeah. the song, they eventually became like metal was kind of for the, the longest time. It was kind of under the radar. And then probably because of Metallica, you get this above the surface exposure with, you know, you name it, uh, inner Sandman for wherever I may roam. I mean, yeah. Sanitarium. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, but there's that the that the first like 35 to 40 seconds of blackened are fucking gorgeous yeah i mean it's before they ratchet it up but it's really they're young oh they are yeah so young yeah I mean, lars is james hatfield is so young i mean title track also i mean just fantastic opening to it i mean just really like whoa dude there's you know, a lot of obviously craftsmanship and precision, but there's also a lot of intention. Yeah. They know they're, you know, it's, you're a big fisherman, which we can talk about, but I mean, um, getting that, getting that fish to bite, you know, the way they're opening this, these songs with this little, you know, minute, half a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm on the hook, you know, and then they're, they're, you know, the bass and the drums and yeah. just, it's not really fast but it's just you know i don't know man i just love that you know just the way they they did things the way they made music i mean that title track is nine minutes and 45 seconds long and we're talking about 1988 like who does that right that's ballsy i mean and i think ballsy eventually would probably become a staple description for that band because they've done a lot of ballsy shit. Yeah. They, they've, uh, I have nothing back. I have the beholder has like this interesting increase in volume Mm -hmm. as the song, you know, like again, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm interested. What are you doing with this? It's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I knew I, dude, I was, uh, the first time I, I was, I was in eighth grade, uh, and I'm going to, I got, uh, had a buddy or two buddies that were going to youth group at uh, Prairie village Presbyterian church over on mission road. And I started going and there was, I met a dude there that was our age and he was into REM and I was like, what, what's, you know, I didn't know any, you know? Um, and then I had my first, I ended up 
you know, I, was, I did that for like, I don't know, maybe a year. But out of that, um, I, I got my first girlfriend. Um, and she was a year older. Uh, she, she wound up being, uh, she, she, was she at Northwest? I think she was at Shawnee Mission Northwest. And she was like a big time legit swimmer. Like people in that world knew about her and were like monitoring her times and shit. And she was that, you know, for however many years her parents would have her to the pool at 5 a.m., you know, uh, and her warm-up song every morning was one. Really? I was like, you're fucking warming up at 5 a.m. to swim to a Metallica song? What? That's crazy. fired up, man. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> God love her. Yeah. God love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, what a, what a way to get motivated to go swimming. Yeah. Listen to... Um, man... <laughs> Uh, there's some cool stuff happening in the shortest straw. Uh, yeah, kind of is... feels like an incomplete song, but it, yeah, cool stuff in there nonetheless. Never, th- never pick the shortest straw, man. Right. <laughs> uh, I think "Harvester of Sorrow" yeah. might be my favorite. Yeah. on the album, uh, it's re- it's just really sorrow. it's got this like man. rich texture to it. Yeah, that I, I don't know. I just found myself appreciating. Uh, and then what is it? The frayed ends of sanity has got like this little wizard of Oz shit in it. Do you remember this? I, mean, I didn't listen to that song very much. Okay. Okay. I, I, I listened yeah. to songs that, that were trendy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Know? Those, those ones that those catchy ones, those catchy Metallica songs to live is to die. You know that one very well. No, no. Uh, Another incredible opening about the five. It's another long one. It's so about the five minute mark. There's some strings, uh, and it's like you're going from this intro to this stretch of showmanship and this glorious kind of battle feel. I mean, a, a, another song with a lot of texture and yeah. just really, you know, what is going on here? Like this is fascinating stuff. Um, and uh, I said it's almost like they're they're like an immodest rush, you know, like. Um, like, because there's, there's not a ton of prog rock in Metallica, but there's, there's a little bit. Yeah. And you know, if Rush is the poster child for prog rock, they're just kind of like over there doing what they're doing. But Metallica is saying we can do that too. Full throttle cranked and in your face. It's like. Whoa, man! Uh, but yeah, I, I listened to a lot of Rush too. I mean, I can remember a lot of Y Z. A lot of Y Y Z. Are you um, still in? You still listen to Metallica? Do what now? Still listen to Metallica? Now I listen to more of their old stuff now than they than I do more of their new stuff. Sure, but are you relatively familiar with all of their records or most of their records or some of them or? You know, I'm a lot of their 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 new stuff. They come out. Um, you know. Did you like the Black album? Yeah. Okay. Since then, you have. Not- I mean, for um, no, you know, I've been I listened to more of their their old stuff. You know, I've gone back to the like the high school days of you know Ride the Lightning, and sure, Justice for All, and. 
Master of Puppets. Master of Puppets. Those are those are good albums. Yeah, man. man. I mean, they're hard to. And you would say, I mean, if you're, you know, they just they got more modernized. You know, they grew up. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying they're 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 still going strong. I mean, oh, for they're sure. still kicking ass. Yeah. I mean, James is, you know, still up there screaming and amazing and, that and, for and playing his guitar and it's amazing to me that somebody that can play that that you know heavy metal guitar and still sing at the same time yeah and i do, mean you know well singing and playing an instrument no matter what it is is no small challenge no, but, but to play met, at met you know at speed metal you know it's Okay, that's I don't have to know your lyrics and to know your chords like, and to not fuck up and not fuck up. I mean, it's, that, that's 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 a lot of talent yeah. to me. I mean, and you know, that that's it's good stuff. Pretty solid to me. Yeah. I mean, you can sit out there and but they, you know, there was what I'm not familiar with the, with the the bass player name i know lars and I, I had a substitute teacher in eighth grade and she introduced herself and she said hi my name is mrs newstead my son's name is jason no he's not the bass player for metallica that was like maybe the first time i'd ever heard him i was oh, really? like what the fuck's metallica <laughs> but i guess she subbed it in high school a lot and so she would introduce herself and kids would be like wait what you have your son is jason newstead of metallica no that's just his name <laughs> like me saying but, that. but he but he i think he was the original bassist and then he yeah left. somebody somebody else came in yeah i don't know who it is either but yeah but i know you know james and lars sure then i'm not what's it you don't know the no, drummer's I name know. lars is that the drummer yeah okay, I know him by okay. lars i mean lars ulrich yeah James Newstead, or no, James Hetfield. James Hetfield. That, and, and Lars I, Lars can beat on a kit. Like, yeah, he's he's looking for the answer in there. I mean, yeah, he. I I remember seeing him in concert, you know, Kemper Arena, and he just nonstop, man. I mean, no shirt on up there, just a sure. pair, of, just a pair of shorts, and right? His long hair and going back and forth and sweating and, you know, they held. I got a good story for you about seeing Metallica. Let's hear it. So, um, I think Godsmack opened up for him. Okay. My sister, I took my sister to Kemper. Do you know what tour this is? No. Okay. What year? Um, God, it had to be late nineties. Okay. So lights are on all of a sudden they're just, it was like, Somebody just came in there. It was like robbing the place. I mean, you heard machine gun fire and guns and all this loud crap going, and guys are coming out of the ceiling down on these ladders and stuff. And my sister's like fucking freaking out. She goes, Eric, this this can't be right. I mean, you know, you know, we, we need to get the hell out of here. You know, she's wanting to leave. And I've said... I think I said, shut the fuck up. It's part of the show. <laughs> and she, 
<laughs> it was. Of course. Yeah. They had, we were just like, what the? I mean, just all this crazy, these guys are coming out of the ceiling, out of the roof, you know. It's theatrical. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. And I can remember her, we got to get out of here. Like, no, I'm it's not, part not, of the show. I'm not, I don't feel safe. <laughs> she didn't. What have you brought me to? But I, I, you guys stayed for the whole show, right? Oh yeah. And did she did she enjoy it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she enjoyed it. Glad we didn't leave. <laughs> she, I can remember we enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so eighty five, eighty eight, and then ninety six. Uh, how do you pronounce this record? Uh, Anima. I think it's Anima. Tool. Anima. A are you sure? I don't know. Well, I think Anima. So uh, Anima or. I think it's a combination. I've heard people say it differently. Uh, so, uh, on, anima with an A is Jungian, Carl Jung, sky psychology. Uh, this is the concept of soul. Uh, and, and enema, the cleanser yeah. for your back door, supposedly it's a hybrid of the two words. So you get this like interesting you know, attractive, like, oh, the soul uh, and flowers and, you know, rainbow. And then, you know, <laughs> this is what cleans out your gonna, your shithole. Yeah. Uh, so let's marry those. Get you to poop. Marry yeah. those two words into one. Uh, <laughs> is that where you. That's what I read that. Yeah. Um, so um, this is their second of five records. I didn't know. Oh, they, yeah. they had only put out five. Um, well, you had their first one, which was... Um, so, under Undertow, Sober? No. Well, well, no. Jerk. I mean, their first one was... Um, an EP, though, right? Yeah. With only like four or five songs. Yeah. Right. But f full length, you know. Yeah. Under, what was, is it Undertow or is it Sober? Undertow. Undertow and Next. Sober is the tune. With that, like, yeah. time release clay guy video. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Why that, can't we be sober? Yeah. Dude, that was a... Tr that still is a trip. I mean, it's a very trippy... If you ever... If you've never seen... If you have seen the video, it's really hard to not picture it when you just hear the song by itself. Right. Right? But also, even if you've never seen the video, killer song. Oh, man. I mean... Like, I, I don't think we've ever in the world of American music heard pipes like that before, right? I mean, you have around the same time, you have Chris Cornell, who's got all this reach and range, and mm -hmm. you know, like it's it's very appealing, uh, appealing and accessible. And then Maynard comes along, and you're like, What the? It's like, uh, hell? it's like you went camping in the woods expecting to just hear birds chirping and frogs and then you hear like a coyote howl or something you're like yeah he, what's he, that over there he, he got your attention mm -hmm. <laughs> so. um so this here's this interesting quote the relationship between the band and today's music industry is ambivalent at times marked by censorship and the band's insistence on privacy and so i guess they're private fellows like not a whole lot of direct you know fan interaction or like 
announcing no, they, their business. No, they they don't. They, they kinda, show up. They show they play up. Their they show, do their business, and they put out records, and you can go buy them. But beyond that, leave, you know, leave us alone. Yeah, they're, you know, a good Tool fan would tell you that Maynard hates his fans. <laughs> here's it. Speaking of, here's a cool Maynard quote: "Tool is exactly what it sounds like. It's a big dick. It's a wrench. We are your tool." Use us as a catalyst in your process of finding out whatever it is you need to find out or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Fucking A plus. That's Ralphie's teacher in Christmas story. A plus plus. I mean, that's I like that quote a lot. He's he's no dummy. No, I mean, he's a smart man. He's brilliant to me. So, Um, you know, are you familiar with uh, the PMRC? I always fucking forget this. I should know it by now. Um, it's the parent parents music recording. It's, it's this organization that Tipper Gore and a couple of other wives of politicians created through Congress in the eighties to get the explicit lyric stamp put on records. Oh, and, really? and, and D Snyder from twisted sister and John Denver and Frank Zappa all went to Congress to testify against how that wasn't, you know, lawful by the by way of the Constitution. Like, you don't have the right to stamp this record and say that this portion of the population shouldn't listen to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, like, no, no, I, I'm a huge Zappa fan. I love most of his music. I don't love all of his music, but I love almost everything I know about his life. I think he was a fascinating human being. Uh, I have a couple of really good biographies by him where, you know, he's basically like saying that we're going to have, uh, in you want like in one of these near the end of the book, he's like, you, you watch, we're going to have, um, uh, uh, a pandemic that um, attacks the um, immune system. He said that. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think he like learned it. Some he he had access to information, or, or I don't know. He was also just a really sharp dude. Yeah. But it, it it'll and you'll see it and it'll you'll see it destroy the inner cities and uh, drug users and uh, gay people, and then it's like he's talking about AIDS, you know, or maybe he had access to it and he shared it in this, but anyway, mm-hmm. it was like, Whoa, what? That's real. Like makes you think, did, did somebody, to, did somebody that sprinkle that in yeah. to our world intentionally? It's like he predicted some stuff I, that, I mean, I don't know, but anyway, uh, D Snyder and John Denver, like mad respect combination there. Mad. I know. Right. <laughs> take me home. We're not gonna take country road. <laughs> You're gonna burn in hell. Yeah. Uh, they no no slouches, no disrespect to them, but I mean Zappa showed up with a briefcase and undressed these politicians. Like embar- it's all on YouTube. It's and it's uh, there's nothing more interesting sounding than sitting down to watch footage of a congressional hearing. Yeah, but he just like these people are like you see all these old befuddled white men turning to one another, being like. 
somebody get this guy out of here. Like, I don't have any answers for him, and he's schooling us, crushing us. Yeah. And Zap is just sitting there like, nope, you're wrong. Because Oh, dude, it's so good. Um, but um, Hush from Anima is talking about PMRC. So oh, okay. Maynard and Tool are uh, anti the same thing that Zappa is. Yeah. Hero in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their first tour was with Rollins Band, Fishbone, Rage Against the Machine, White Zombie, and Corrosion of Conformity. Like, welcome to the world of fucking rock and roll. Like, holy shit. I listened, used to listen to some Corrosion of Conformity. I've, that's the one. I've never listened to them, but all those other dudes and outfits are absolute ballers. Yeah. I mean, Henry Rollins, let's talk about Zappa. Yeah, Henry, Henry Rollins is a fascinating, fascinating person, too. That's, I mean, that, that's Maynard's hero, man. Right, right. I mean, that's where he, where he got it, you know. He, that's his bud. I mean, he'll. Uh, <laughs> tour supporting Undertow uh, included a show at Garden Pavilion in Hollywood. And the band learned that it was owned by the Church of Scientology. So allegedly Maynard spent almost the whole show buying the crowd like sheep. <laughs> Just like the, the funniest little detail of, you know, mm-hmm. I, I love that. It's fantastic. I mean, they came out, they performed their show. You got what you paid for, but he's also buying. I'm sure the, the concert goers weren't all church of scientology people but the building being owned you know just funny uh this record is i'm we were talking a little bit ago big stand-up comedy fan this record's dedicated to bill hicks uh and i mean there's like every time i turn the page i'm coming across another uh bill hicks and tool uh like they had a pretty good relationship it would seem um the liner notes have references to dissociative anesthesia through ketamine, which like, you know, there's, I'm, I'm not, a, I've never tried special K or ketamine. I'm, I'm, pa- I'm way past the age of being able to try new drugs. Like right. that's all too old. Yeah. Way too old. <laughs> uh, I, so I never tried ketamine, but the idea of, so achieving anesthesia by taking ketamine is fascinating to me. Like if I wasn't almost 50 years old, I'd be like, Oh, do that one weekend. Not, not really, but, but also Timothy Leary, there's Timothy, you know, so LSD. I mean, what were you going to say? I mean, did they do a lot of those drugs to enhance their music tool to make them? Dude, that's, uh, this is totally, this is a surface scratch. There's so many drug references across and I, all I did was look up two records, you know, there's still a handful of others and, and plenty more that I could read about, but, um, <laughs> useful idiot, dude. Um, so there's a needle skipping sound, uh, just to fuck with people mm-hmm. and it gets louder Yeah. on the vinyl version. They actually put. Uh, a locked groove at the end of side one. So the needle works its way across and you get this 
record scratching sound and then the needle drops into a groove and and won't come out yeah yeah you got to go over there and take the needle off and then you flip it over to side b and there's another that's how side b starts there's another groove it's just fucking with you like they do you you love us you're giving us money to have our music and we're gonna fuck with you yeah they love i mean (laughs) that's so uh i mean it's like oh sorry no you're good it's like off of the new album inner 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 column i i can't even pronounce it inoculum dude i i was gonna say when i very first talked to you about this which was back in march you're like i'll probably i'll probably do fear inoculum and i was like oh i don't i gotta get a pen what and then uh, well, change. Well, which is total is it fascinating <laughs> like i went back is is it a good record fear yeah. inoculum yeah it's it's great i would assume so it, it's wonderful i listened for it for a year straight didn't put it down no exaggeration no didn't put it a down. a year well they, how long of a chunk between fear inoculum and the one before it were you waiting thousand days oh my god no way no way Ten Thousand days is oh six and that came out in 18 20. or 19 yeah i think it was 19 so 15 years yeah oh well no wonder you listened to it for a year <laughs> yeah dying for some new tools I mean, same thing with Ten Thousand days when it came out i mean i listened and i listened and i listened and and you know finally you just you put it down and you start letting you need to go to another album yeah you know, or like I do now, I got everything from his first album to Undertow to Anima to, you know, to 10,000 Days to... Are you a Perfect Circle guy? Yeah. Okay. And a Pulsifer, too. Okay. Uh, what I've, I only know the name. What, what is, what's the story with that, out, with that band? <laughs> They're out there. Well, who is it? Is is Maynard in it? No, it's oh. Maynard in there, and then okay. some some other, few other guys. Yeah, I sure. don't know why they're really. But what are they? Are they different than Tool? Are yeah, they heavier yeah. than Tool? No, they're a little slower. Some of their songs get a little heavy, but okay, a lot of them get real slow. But cool stuff though. Yeah, I mean, what, it's, what have, it's like, different. Do they have like three records or two or three? Two or three. Okay. But um, they, I mean, it's it's funny. I I think some other it's you'd have to listen to sure. it. Sure, one hundred percent. Um, you, you know, you need to listen to Pusser for V is for for vagina. V is listen for vagina. One. Okay, because that it's you know, um, I just say listen to it, and it, it's got some catchy song, and it's got some stuff that you know just kind of done take it or leave it yeah yeah but um there's a go ahead perfect circle yes i am a i love perfect circle nice every everything he does with that i mean it's 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 different than tool but he's more his music i mean his his sound that the way he sings He's the greatest performer to me. The one guy can be in three bands. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, he's got three bands, and but he's just 
he's the best singer. I mean, he can change his voice and I don't know, um, go real deep and then yeah, I mean, he's he's a very talented man. I mean, and he is he's a funny guy, man. He's a half comedian, half rock star. Well, I think that the relationship with Bill Hicks speaks yeah, to mean, that. I mean, and he. You know, if he would, I, I, I wish the hell he would run for president because I fucking <laughs> vote for him in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, I mean, work his campaign, and I think he'd do a great job. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a song on there called "I'm Gonna Butcher This," but it's I think it's called "Die Eier von Satan." Yeah, um, and so it sounds like an aggressive German Nazi rant, but do you know what he's actually saying? I've heard. He's reciting the recipe for a marijuana edible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is hysterical. Oh, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's, yeah, here's, here's, um, uh, you ever have one of those things that you, you gotta, you gotta get around to doing it or you want to get around it, but just, you keeps avoiding, you keep avoiding it or it keeps avoiding you. Um, I've always known that eventually I'll, I'll dive into tool. I've never, I own, um, undertow on cassette cause I bought it when it came out, but I, that's it. You know, I, I probably only bought it for that, that track, but anyway, um, I've never sat down and listened to tool. I've heard plenty of tool, but I've never sat down on my own. Like you've never listened to third eye. N- you've never listened to none of it. None of it. Um, Anima. No, I mean now I have, now I have, but um, but um, like prison sex or so so jerk off or so <laughs> Zappa was the same way for me. Like you know, oh you gotta so check you out you gotta check. Oh I don't know, it seems weird. I don't know if I'll get if I'll be into it. And then one day it happened. I've I've same with King Crimson. I've never listened to King you- Crimson and I've never listened to Robert Fripp. Uh, but there are people out there like, dude, you, you gotta, you know, and so talk about influence ways to go. and relationship tool. I, I read a quote where I think Robert Fripp said, uh, I've never been able to tell if I hear more King Crimson and tool or more tool and King Crimson. So it's like a mutual. No, I never listened to King. Crimson. Okay. Me either. But it makes me want to. Yeah. Knowing it makes me that, want to go check them out right? to see. Um, that was a really good record, though. Anima, Enema, however it's pronounced. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a, every damn song on that album is is catchy as hell. Like, you know, learn to swim. I mean, that is just, you know, Armageddon's coming soon. You know, and you know, Arizona Bay. I'll see you in Arizona Bay. Sure, you know that. He's thinking, you know, someday, you know, Arizona is going to be. No longer. No longer. I or mean, it's going to be water underwater. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's going to be some boat docks out there. Yeah. Um, you know, and so Anima is 96, 10,000 days, 2006. So 10 years between those two records. Um, and the fascinating thing to me is that uh, in 96, when that record comes out, like 
a fair amount of people know Tool, and a decent amount of people like Tool, right? Also, there's some folks out there that have never heard don't, of Tool. I, a lot of people. Or but... don't like them or whatever. But you go to 2006 when 10,000 Days come out, and now their fan base just explodes i mean and and it's like it's not like um you know uh just you look at a arrowhead stadium full on sunday and you're like there's a lot of football fans there it's not like you're looking at a concert at a packed venue and you're like a lot of music fans there or or even a lot of tool fans there know all of those people really really like tool yeah i mean it's almost a kind of a separate breed you know sort of Mm -hmm. which has always been very fascinating to me there's people that live their life by tool what do you mean well i mean they i don't know that's i don't i I wouldn't i mean you said you listened to fear inoculum for a year straight i think you could extrapolate that you, you, one guy listening to one record for one year, there's probably plenty of people out there that only listen to Tool or have some version. Yeah. They live their life by it, kind of, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, it's all they, it's all they listen to. They don't listen to anybody else. I mean, but they, I don't know. It's kind of like, if I'm going to listen to music, I'm going to listen to this, this group. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, but, I just catch myself going to listen to the other bands and stuff and always catching myself going back. Sure. Yeah. It's like, um, I, you know, it's kind of like almost, I mean, it's, I, I don't know if I say it's a cold. I, 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 I was trying to avoid saying it cause I didn't want you to be like, no, but you it, know, but, and there's, there's a, there's a real, and there's a reason for this, but there's a there's a negative stereotype or attachment that comes with the use of the word cult. It's you say cult, and what is heard is Waco, Texas, and drinking I the cool. Say that, <laughs> but but yeah. but it can also mean it doesn't have to mean a, a bad thing or a harmful thing. But that's just your you know your you dress like that you you. You know, a lot of, I've seen a lot of people, especially kind of a lot of girls that kind of, that are Tool fans. You see them going to the con, they're kind of, kind of gothic looking. Yep. Of course. You know, of black course. hair. Yep. You know, long hair. I'm a badass. That's what black that clothes. Should, that's what that message is to yeah. always been to me. Like, I'm a bad about, you know, fuck around and find out. Yeah. You don't think I'm a badass? You know, find yeah. out for yourself. I mean, they're. A lot of people listen to Tool. They got a lot of tattoos. They got, you know, they 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 do, you know, a lot of, you know, of Maynard songs, or they might put a third eye on their arm, or, you know, a lot of them, a lot of tattoos. Sure. I mean, a lot of black. You so know. so speaking of black, um, I'm not <clears throat> I'm not trying to make a direct comparison. Because uh, there's no, I have no interest in doing that. But I, I felt like there was some similarities between Ten Thousand Days and and Justice for All. 
in that like this record opens with vicarious which has got a really cool lead lead in guitar riff and then you know and then it goes a different but it's it, and and then it, it winds up being just a fascinating song You're like oh i just and if you know i listened to these records in the order that we're talking about them so i went fables and justice anima so i you know when i'm listening to 10,000 days for the first time i've just listened to uh injustice for all not you know uh, the day before or a handful of hours before um so i was like huh and then uh jambi uh Jam- that's the metal- that's my there's favorite a, there's a metallica feel in the intro yeah <clears throat> i mean it you know it yeah. just starts out yeah. just wah! yeah you know uh, Wings for Marie, yeah. part one. Another, I mean, so three back to back to back, three songs with fantastic intros. And it's, again, that hook. It takes a while for it to get going. Like, I don't know where this is going to be, where this is going to go, but I'm, I'm on board. I'm going to follow to the end just because I'm, I'm curious. I was curious. Uh, and then, you know, 10,000 Days, Wings, part two. Yeah, great song. S- same fucking thing. Like, good shit yeah um so again you know i I talking to you upstairs about a couple other bands that i've just read a little bit about for these conversations another nugget that i really love the album title is thought to refer to the orbital period of saturn apparently saturn going around the sun takes ten thousand days i don't know but maynard says or said the saturn return equals the time in your 28th and 29th year when you are presented the opportunity to transform from whatever your hang-ups were before to let the light of knowledge and experience lighten your load and let go of old patterns and embrace a new life i was like mic drop when i read that and also, you know what else I literally thought when I read that? Barkley telling me he used to be an angry chef, and now, and now he's a chain. Like not, not that that's exactly how that happened. Yeah. In your twenty eighth and twenty, but so even if the numbers, even if the math is off, even if it's year forty two and forty three, whatever the fuck, it's super, super cool to me. Yeah, I love that kind of shit. I mean, I, I it's how we find. I've me. heard. Yeah, you got ten thousand days to live, or you know this or that. But I never knew it was. It takes Saturn ten thousand days to orbit. To, I mean, and I'm I'm poaching tidbits off of a Wikipedia. I mean, that guy page. is he's so far out there, man. I mean, just he thinks of shit that nobody would ever. Yeah. You know, I mean, how did he go about those guys getting all together and Dave and. And, and it's crazy, you know. Right Did in you? two, yeah. You know that tune, yeah. Uh, it's great. Love that song. Cut it right. Fascinatingly in. curious to me. Uh, and the there's a there's a little pocket kind of right in the middle that all of a sudden there's like some percussion or some like wood blocks or something. It's just like. I would never would have expected that song to go there, and then it did, and I I loved it even more, and and you know then it goes a different direction, but it's just like, 
what a cool idea that was to put that there. How would you ever think that that would fit inside the body of this song that doesn't sound at all like it would have yeah. wood blocks and percussion? I don't know. I just thought it was cool. Um, so we talked about you initially. I mean, the fear inoculum, like when we when we talked in March, maybe maybe it was still... Ha- happening a lot in your playlist or you know maybe you're still listening to it a bunch and but then you switched any idea i think you switched any idea why i just got got a little burned out on it you know That's... i didn't want to i didn't want to you know you listen to it that cd's in there you know okay it's time to stop listening to it because i don't want to I don't want to Dude. ever stop listening to it. You know, you just I, get I a little it. tired of it. I'm not saying I'm tired of Tool. No, but, but you know, I t- I'm telling you, like a year ago, a year ago this month, I was working on this table, and uh, I had a couple new artists fall in my lap, and I, and and several since then, you know, and I like fall crazily in love. And it's like whatever album it is that I first listened to, I'll listen to it, you know, 30 times or something insane like that. And it's like, okay, I got to move on to the next one and then to move on to the next one. And eventually I'm listening to work by that artist so often that my kids are aware of the artist's name. They're aware of many songs and song like, oh, I like that one. Put on, you know, and then um, I feel the burnout i can it's like the light at the end of the tunnel but it's the burnout at the end of this i can see it and I, i'll say say to my not directly but kind of just thinking as a whatever if you don't quit with this artist and sprinkle in a few other things you're gonna burn yourself out right and so so then the next day after i have that thought i'm like all right i'm gonna mix it up and everything just irritates me like i don't want to listen to that i don't listen to that and then i so i go back to it like an addiction yeah and I'm like, oh, okay, now everything's right, and then I burn myself out. Yeah, and so and so then it's kind of off the radar for a while until four months go by, and I'm like, oh, I think I'll treat myself to revisiting that burnout from you know what I'm saying. It's a fascinating like REM, you know, right, I exactly. To it for a long time, and I go back and I listen to these songs that I used to listening to back when I'm a teenager. You know, in my 20s, and it's like, that is some great music. I mean, that is, you know, it brings me back to things, you know. You know, my brother died in Wait, what? He died in 99. Uh, No, I don't think I did know that. Yeah. Really? Holy fucking... We haven't got that far, but... R.I.P. to another Barkley. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, he died at 38... You know, he's got it. Damn bartending it. it, and living in San Francisco, and he liked to party. Okay, developed you know blood pressure, high blood pressure at a young age. You know, it's hereditary in our family. It runs in our genes, and moved out to San Francisco and take his medicine. Just, Heart. just like that. Yeah, didn't like. 
didn't take it once or just wasn't taking it wasn't for taking it. He, okay he took it for a while and then he just stopped taking it damn didn't realize what it was doing you know and partying and bartending and you know sorting coke oh we're okay yeah i mean i don't think that's that's probably not a substance you should visit often if you have blood pressure stuff no no, I, I, I'm no doctor, but I it does no, it, it ratchets you up, right? You don't. Yeah, it makes your blood pressure very high, very high. Oh, fuck, that's heavy, man. I'm sorry, I didn't know. Yeah, it, I, I I thought I told you, but I don't. You might have. Yeah, I might have lost yeah, it. Yeah, you know. But, um, yeah, he. I definitely. I definitely remember um, your sister. Uh, I, I remember you, you bringing her up a lot when, when your mom passed. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like you guys were in a lot of communication or addressing stuff together. I don't know. I just remember yeah. you talking well, about her. A planning and yeah, closing the estate. Sure, it's not easy. I mean, I, I know, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, my dad this big garage sale, sell our stuff, and uh-huh. sell our car, and. You know, you know, and then go through her clothes and, you know. None of it's easy, really. No, it's not. I mean, I think about them every day, you know. I think about them, you know, really look back at my dad. What would he do? What would he tell me to do in this situation? Sure. You know, so you really, your your parents were, you know, they loved me very much. And I'm very... It's very comforting to me that they, I know that they love me. I mean, gratitude, feeling blessed, like because you know, not to. I don't want to take this a whole like yeah, but but there's some people out there, a lot of them, uh, that just were circumstances of their parents hooking up and they didn't get, you know, just. I mean, basic needs were met, but when it comes to how nurturing and how much growth happens from being loved, especially mm-hmm. especially if you're loved very much, if you don't have that at all, like fucking good luck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's it's not it really. Would a, suck. I mean, I mean, my parents divorced when I was. I don't know, eight or 10 years old, but, you know, moved to North Carolina, dad's up in Kansas City, but, you know, baseball was over. I was up there. We were up there. Sure. I mean, and he he supported me. Nice. He, very proud of his kids, both of them. I mean, he got them where they wanted to go. I mean, he wanted to make sure they get to college, and they, they, you know, wanted to make sure they had had a car and yeah. got around. Yeah. And, I mean, and he kept in touch with us in North Carolina when, you know, so I'd really, you know, you know, my mom has different story and all that, you know, yeah. but all the things that she said and talked about him and, I, you know, I, he was a good dad. I nice. Mean, That's great. his kids and cared about his kids and you know 
it's unfortunate that they got a divorce. But yeah. I mean, it's just way way it goes. I, I know mean, it. so we adapted, and uh, you know, I look back, and I all I was worried about is who's that <clears throat> new lady in the car? Like, who was that? So, you know, who's with my dad? Right. So that was that was you know trying to get used to her. And sure, I did you. Yeah, yeah. Ish, ish, kind of ish. Okay. You know, but then when I graduated high school and moved back up here, she you know started cooking, and I come home smelling like a fryer, and my room stinks, and next thing you know, she wants me out. No way. Yeah. Really. Yep. So I was like, cool. I, and I you was went? ready to go. Okay. My wife got me a little shitty-ass apartment in Olathe. Wait, so was she still married to your dad when he passed? No, or? she died in 04. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was a little Woodstock lady. Meaning? She little, kind of a drifter. Oh, okay. A hippie. Yeah, sure. Know, happy-go-lucky. She became the bartender at Hands and... In Atlanta. She was from Florida, Hollywood, okay. Florida. You know. And uh I don't So when it came time to sort through your dad's stuff, she she's not around to mess with anything. No. Like that Yeah. Has to be a good like what if she had been? I mean, and she wants to have control over X or Y. That'd have been pretty messed up. Uh that would be messed up. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be in that at all. She was. Yeah. She. She liked to have a good time. Okay. She liked her alcohol. Sure. She liked smoking weed. Yeah. And she. You know, and that's kind of how my brother, kind of got into started doing drugs. Yeah. You know, when she came around, that's when, my brother was in high school, and. She would have. Drugs in the house? I don't know. I mean, but next thing you know, I'm playing smoking pot. My my brother. Your brother's name was what? Lane. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. And he, you know, I can remember in, you know, in high school, he's smoking weed in high school and stuff. And Sure. You know, and I can remember going visiting my dad on the weekends, and I'd walk in the house, and the house smelled like weed. Okay. And I'd be like, what's that smell, Dad? You know, smells pretty good. <laughs> it's this. Yeah, so. Um, so, man, um, would you consider yourself, you know, if we t- we've touched on this whole, like, I used to be this guy, and... Now I'm, I'm. Would I mean? Would you consider yourself a happy guy? I know it's a cliche phrase. Now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. A, I'm. I'm pretty satisfied. Do you? You still game? Yeah, I still play my Call of Duty. Okay. I mean, fifty-four year old gamer. <laughs> but I suck at it. But but does it? I keep playing. Like legit, I know another cheesy phrase, but does it like fill you with joy to play that game? Yeah. I mean, so fuck it. Yeah, like I just like playing video games and playing. You know, you get all kinds of guns to fuck with. And sure. To uh, I just like I don't know. I like the challenge. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's tough. I mean, there's really good players on there. Sure. 
Um, but and I've been playing it for like 15 years. <laughs> it's like the amount of time you've been waiting for the next tool but record to come out. I won't, I won't go play that Warzone stuff and all. I just play multiplayer. I can only play a game for like 10 minutes. Okay. I can't focus and sit there and focus and focus and focus for 30 minutes as right. long as those games go. Good 15, 20-minute game and, you know, and I'll play three or four games back-to-back then I'll go and leave it alone for two hours. Sure. And go, I don't sit there all day. Right. Day, you know, I'm not like a 16-year-old, 13-year-old kid, you know. So I play a couple games and leave it alone. Learning that you liked video games took me, uh, and I do too. I mean, I, I have a buddy that comes over on Sunday nights. The kids love him. We hang out. We all play some Wii Fit, super nerds, and the kids go to bed, and then he and I play a couple games, and then he's out, but... Um, but learning that you were into that, uh, it took me some time and I think I just like by happenstance, we just wound up talking about, I was like, Oh really? But what I've always known about what you have mentioned, um, very often across the amount of time I've known you, uh, is that you loved fish. And I mean, you, I think last week you were just going down to Bennett Springs or something like yeah, that. we just went down for the day. The day you went down to Arkansas for the day. No, it's in not in Arkansas. Oh, Bennett Springs. I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of a different Springs. There's a Springs. Oh, Rika Springs or something. Like yeah, that. probably. Yeah, Bennett Springs is in Missouri. Yeah. Was it like an hour and a half? It's about two and a half. Two and a half. You went down there for the day, fished, and came home and slept in your own bed. Yeah. What time do you leave for about a trip? Six thirty in the morning. And you're on the boat on the water. No water. Oh, just no boats. Just on it's the a stream. It's a spring-fed stream. It's a state okay. park down okay. there. Uh, so they stock it with trout. You leave six thirty in the morning. What time are you? What time is your line in the water? About ten, ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Okay. Do you? Are you a guy that keeps what you catch? No. I Never. No. Nah, if I'm with my son, we'll keep we'll keep some. And we'll cook them. Really. And got them right in the right in the stream. Uh huh. And and when you cook them. Is it do you, do you cook them there? Or do you bring them home? No, I cook them there. Okay. Usually they have a we rent a cabin and they have a little grill. We'll cook them right on the grill. Get some charcoal and and are they good? Yeah, yeah, they're great. Your son would say the same if he were sitting here. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. They're better out of the Niagara. I mean, because they, you know, Bennett Springs. There's a spring there, and it goes, you know, it winds around and then eventually goes out into the Niagara River. And you know, those trout get out there. You know, but I've heard that the better, the trout taste better because they're not, you know, they've confined to it. They're not being fed fish food or whatever okay. when they're being. Sure. But I guess they're, you know, eating, you know, smaller fish or sure. whatever. But, yeah. You yeah. Know, um, one thing about fishing is that, I mean, when I, when I got married, I mean, I was. I started like catfishing. Next thing you know, I start bass fishing. So, God damn! But um, you, um, it's expensive. So you gotta have, you know, you gotta have certain f- poles to catfish with. Okay. You gotta have heavy duty poles. I mean, you go down to do bass fishing. Do you eat catfish? Yeah. You do? Yeah. You like catfish? Yeah. I've always felt it just 
like to me they're gross to look at and then they've got that like sliminess to them and I can't just can't I can't separate those two things when it comes to the fork in going in the mouth uh just like gum I don't know anyway you were saying um I mean so you got to have you know catfish tackle mm-hmm. bigger rods sure and shit then you go down to bass fishing. You got to have, you know, medium action poles. You know, you got to buy all, you know, lures and plastic worms and spinner baits. And it gets expensive, man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was married, I mean, I, shit, next thing you know, I got 25 fishing poles. Nuh-uh. And, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, when you're, I mean, you know, for a bass pole, you got to have a, you know, white lure and it's got to weigh the right way and be able to cast it. And so it, it gets expensive. Yeah. So it gets expensive. And, you know, I've caught a lot of bass. I've caught a lot of catfish. And, you know, so trout is, you know, I, I, I've always wanted to get a boat, but I sit there and tell myself that I wouldn't use the damn thing. I, you know, I don't want to waste my money and let it sit there, you know, I, but then again, I don't have the time right, to take it out on the weekend or this or that. I mean, well, so, uh, if you, you know, woke up tomorrow and just for whatever reason, uh, you find yourself now in the possession of more money than you can spend before you die and more mo- like Devin's taken care of too. whoever needs to be taken like you now no longer have to worry about generating an income to live to take care of the people how are you spending your time I'm probably gonna go fish a lot I mean you buying that boat might buy that boat you gonna have a dock and a lake house, or just how, how? What's what's the angle? I mean, do you like? Was that overkill? I would probably retire and maybe move somewhere down close to where I can go trout fishing. I mean, is trout the do you? Yeah, the trout. How is how is trout? I don't fishing? know. I mean, the way the reason why I like catching trout, I like ultralight tackle i like an ultralight pole two pound test line one sixteenth of an ounce jig okay light my pole without the reel on it weighs four ounces seven foot i mean it's very i just i get in get into it i mean i get into using really small and 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 everything is just a step larger and heavier for bass fishing yeah yeah now you what go up, i mean for to fish with bass fishing it's eight ten pound test okay so let's pretend that they all the gear is exactly the same is is one more fun to fish than the other um trout no. i would say this bass are easier to catch oh they are bass are easy to catch what what eats better i won't eat a bass it's a game fish i refuse what do you mean i just i what, can't game fish what it, it, like a crappie or a, it's just a, I don't know. It's just, if you fish for bass, you, you know, I stole them back, let them grow up. Okay. 
you know. So trout is harder to catch and more more, challenging. more enjoyable to eat. Yeah. Okay. But it's just, I don't know the reason why, but I just, I, I, a bass is such a pretty fish. It's such a, you know, it's such an aggressive fish, you know, and it's a beautiful fish. And I just, I'd rather let somebody else catch it again. <laughs> okay. You know, and then eat that pretty. But, you know, I don't know. To me, you're not going to go see somebody on the bass tournament tour. Right. And eat a bass. Oh. I mean, they're interesting. Gonna, I always used to kiss them. Grow up. Go grow up. Let somebody else catch you. My uncle uh, rented a pontoon on Sunday, three days ago. Out on uh, Rain Tree Lake in Lee Summit, so a whole bunch of us fam- family members went out there and uh, took the boat out for a lap around. Came back and then my cousin and my kids fished, and we haven't. They, they, we did this once before, but it was four years ago. So both my kids were considerably younger, and that they remember. It was like the first time we had been. Fi- and so anyway, um, I they're just off with my cousin and you know hear some excitement come over and you know, one of my kids has got one and then another one's got the other kids got one and somewhere in the middle of it all before i walked over to the excitement my cousin had told my kids uh you know if you catch a fish i'll kiss it but if i catch a fish you gotta kiss it and it was this whole thing i didn't i thought he was just being silly but that's literally there's, there's there's I have video of it like taking the hook out, teaching them how to hold it, taking the hook out, and then and then just throws it back in the water. Hold it by the lip. So funny you that know? you said that because they're so cute. Yeah, I mean, they they got such cute eyes. Right. <laughs> you old you just Barkley, you, you old softy. You don't want to eat old bass. Right. Come on. I don't know. I just it don't make no because it's I don't know it's. I call it a game fish, you know? It's like sure. Oh, okay. A crappie, I, now I eat the hell out of a crappie. Why? A walleye. Why a crappie? I don't know. Okay. But, a, I mean, crappie are really good. Walleye's really good. The bass, nah. can't do it. Catfish, I'll eat one, but I don't know. I can't eat Now, I don't mind. I know this is going to probably sound sacrilegious to you. But I don't mind the, uh, you know, uh, like the Indonesian fillets, the um, the paragonus, swai, the paragonus, pangasius, pangasius, basa. They're good. Well, I see cornmeal bread that's and fried. That's all I buy. Okay, okay. The pangasius I buy. But I, I mean, use that tonight. But you see, uh, I mean, I haven't done it in a while. But uh, I, there was a time when I would. I was working with kids over in KCK and you either like hang out with them in their home or in their classroom or you're out in the community with them. And a lot of times, you know, uh, those kids, they want to, they want to go to Nebraska furniture mart cause you can play video games there. But I had one kid, he was older, he was like a senior and he was like way, way, way into fishing. That's all he wanted to do. He didn't want to go to school. He didn't want to do the chores that his parents, he didn't want to do any, he just wanted to fish and be left alone. God love him. But there was a couple, so he he was also 
like he would take off. Like he was, he wasn't a runner, but he'd just be like, nah, I'm going to go. And he would like thumb a ride down to the bank of the, you know, Kansas. Anyway, I, a couple times I kind of, I wasn't chasing after him, but you know, I'd you'd find out where he was and then I'd go find him be like, you know, talk to him for a while and eventually hopefully talk him into coming home. Uh, cause it's dark and there's a bunch of fucking weird, possibly homeless strangers down here that you're hanging out with and you're 17 and shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. But there's also people down there that have got like these things set up to catch catfish. It's, they're not like necessarily, some of them are fit, but there's it's called just trot lines. Okay. And trot you lines. go pull it up and there's just huge, ginormous cat and they just look so gross. And I, uh, they look exact like one or two times. Like I bought when I was chefing, I bought some American catfish, and it. I didn't. I was like, oh, I'll get some catfish. Like I fucking no idea what I'm doing, but I'll get some and I'll make it and it'll be good. And then I remember getting it and being like, this is so. This reminds me of fucking fresh okra, just oozing whatever this slime is. So no matter how I would I uh, would I would sear it you know whatever I did fry it it you know it made me never want to try pangasius or any of that but then when I did I was like oh yeah this is much much cleaner and yeah uh, it's farm raised and yeah. it's fed a special diet stuff right. like the the catfish is wild and I mean and they're I mean, they actually eat other fish. Right. They're not, people think they're, they're bottom feeders and. <laughs> people say that, somebody said that to me yesterday. I mean, they're, they're, feeders. they're carnivores. They're just like a bass. They're going to eat, you know, I mean, they don't, you know, they're not like a carp where they go and eat grass. And I mean, they, especially like flatheads and blues. Right. They, right. they 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 eat other fish. Okay. To to survive. You, you know, know, and like I, I, you know. But so, they, so they're I, not sitting there eating dirt and they sit on the bottom. They you know By definition the <laughs> bottom feeder. Yeah, I mean they you know, they're lazy. Okay. Catfish can be lazy. They, they look lazy. Very sluggish in the you know. Their time, the best time to catch them is when they're spawning. Okay. Is, you know, March, late March, April. You know, that's when they, I'm not, you know, a bass will spawn in the spring and sure. lay it, you know, lay its eggs. But, you know, the, the catfish is going to be the fattest and the heaviest when he's getting ready to spawn. Right. So that's when you, you want to get them. Yeah. When they're the biggest, same thing with a, you know, a, a cat, I mean, a bass is going to be way more. It's been sitting in that cold water all winter long, you know, he's hungry. Yeah. They're hungry. Yeah. So, gets warm up, they get active, they get hungry, you know, I got to get some nourishment and lay my eggs. Right. You know, so that's, you know. You see a bass and it's got a fat belly. I mean, that's then you you know. Then when it gets hot, they go dormant. 
they go deep they get where it's back where it's cold right you know and they're hard to catch and yeah. the, you know you uh, if you're going bass fishing right now in july and it's 100 degrees outside i i don't you're not gonna catch any i mean unless you you got some live bait live minnows or stuff like that sure. and you stick it right in front of their mouth right they're they're too hot they're yeah. full you know i don't know and then they pick back up when the weather cools down a little bit mm-hmm. starts cooling down in late august and september and october you know and then they'll but i've caught i've caught bass in late february and 35 degree weather oh wow um yeah. so do you i mean do you have a preference standing on land versus being on a boat um i like standing in the water like been at springs I like putting chest sweaters on and being right there with them okay um uh the bank has its um you know i've caught more fish on the bank than i have in a boat i've not got a lot of chances to fish in a boat sure i mean i used to have a kick boat what's that it's like a half an inner tube with a seat on it okay you know I mean, it's not. A, I'm sorry. It's got two, two long inner tubes on it. Then they put a chair on it. Then you kick around. You put on, you know, flippers. Oh, flippers, and you flip around. Interesting. Like that. Yeah. So um, they got them where you can put a, you know, motor on the back. Okay. You know, with a battery. Sure. But they they get expensive. But I was just kicking around. You know, a cheap way to, you know, just just run the bank how'd you get into fishing my grandpa okay my uncle yeah my 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 aunt's husband um my grandpa you know this came up with the kids when we're out it's like uh why, why don't we do this more often it's like well it's not cheap to rent a boat i mean i went down to table rock a couple summers ago and rented a boat this you know a speedboat to, to pull the kids but for tubing it was 300 bucks for an hour i mean yeah so an hour goes by really fast yeah and then and then you talk about boat ownership it's like it's you're not just buying a boat you're buying you need a dock uh you probably probably need a lift you need a place to put it in the winter maintenance i mean trailer you know um a lot but um if 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 you have relatively limitless time and no real pressure coming down on you financially. It's good. Be fucking awesome to have a boat, but you know, you know, being a chef and having a bass boat, I'd, I'd, I'd be leaving work early. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. You know, I'd get fired probably. Right. Where's Barkley? He was taking out the trash. He's gone. That was two hours ago. Three o'clock. He's right. gone. He's on the lake. Yeah. You know, but that's just, you know, I look back at my grandpa, you know, they had a, they had a house on Beaver Lake, you know, he had his boat at a dock, which they did his maintenance for him. They raised his boat out of the water kept it out of the water during the winter season Mm -hmm. you know i mean they had mechanics there that would go and you know whatever you had to do to 
when you were putting your boat away from sure. here. Yeah. You know, but he had an old Cajun bass boat, 115 horsepower Mercury on the back, and used to drive me around that lake. I used to ski, slalom ski, you know, take off, you know, I was so light. I'd just take off and I'd just hold one hand, pull me out of the water one handed. Nice. On a slalom ski. Is that the one where both feet are on the same ski? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just started out with two skis, and you kick off another one and put your foot back there, you know. Put yeah. your left foot front and your right foot in back. And Interesting. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm out there cutting cutting rooster tails. <laughs> yeah, scraping my – I would get so low sometimes that I would one-handed. I mean, this is how good you felt when you were 16, 17 years old, you know. you get so low that you would scrape – my shoulder on what my shoulder would hit the water it would be so low and fuck up your skin no oh no it just oh. okay wouldn't fuck it up i mean just, i'm only going grandpa pulled me 35 40 miles an okay. hour but okay. what i did was you know i'd go out and you know take as far out as i can go you know and then you know then cut back across and go out there and do a rooster tail. Yeah. And dig. What you do is you take your back leg and you dig that back right leg into the water. Well, I wiped out a lot, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And you look back and you, because what got me inspired, I'd see guys out there water skiing and I'd be sitting in the house looking out the window. And I'd see some people out there water skiing and they'd be going back and forth, back and throwing these big rooster tails. And you could... You know, it's a big old it. spray. Of, yeah, yeah. You know, and it was cooler than shit. I mean, I, that's really cool. I want to do that. That's and so. Lo- I just went out there and kept trying it and getting more ballsy. And yeah, you know, but you know, he would. Yeah, I would go so far out that I would I would start to sink. You know, and then the boat would the kit the, the yeah. slack would catch back yeah. up, and you know, and then you're like, you better hang on. Yeah. You, know, you hung on and yeah. you get as far out as you can to go out there and cut that rooster tail and then you whip it back across and you cut one again and race across again race across the nice i mean in those that wake he had you like you learn to <clears throat> kind of <clears throat> bend down and your legs were like shock absorbers you know sure. you just you know yeah uh, I love that. I'd never heard that before, rooster tail. But it also... I I'd, think that's what they call it. Well, it I makes sense. I can see it. Uh, I've also been watching hockey for almost 30 years, and I never heard this until this past Stanley Cup final. And it was, uh, I believe it was the game-winning goal for Tampa when they won game five and stayed alive and pushed it to game six. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody was somebody retrieved a puck down here in the corner like i'm like i would be where the goaltender is so he scoops up the puck and another guy's coming and the the two defensemen are just focused on this guy in the corner so this guy's completely wide open and he does a stick tap and holds his stick up in the air which i've seen a thousand times probably done it myself a couple times but when it got to scott van pelt on Sports Center, doing the after showing the highlights, he's like, "And look at him out there with that beaver tail." 
And I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. A guy holding the hockey stick behind him kind of does look like a beaver tail. Uh-huh. So beaver from beaver tail to rooster tail, uh, I, I like the imagery uh, and, and the nickname for both of those. Yeah. But. Then, you, then you got, you know, inline, straight line lures called rooster tails. Oh, for real? Yeah. For fishing. Fishing. They okay. Spinner on them with the, you know, with a fly on it. Nice. So you get a, you get the, the flash of more, you know, that flash kind of inseminates or whatever a school of fish. So you think, you know, that's what that, you know, they, they're, they're attracted to that flash. Yeah. What's that flash? Yeah. What is right? that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's that flash in the water, but. But I only, I only go to a rooster tail if I'm not catching anything to, you know. But usually it's jigging, mostly just a little one sixteenth of pound foot of jig and matching the hatch, matching the colors right. that they want, depending on the year. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, some days I go down there and I'd say, okay, I'm gonna start out with a black. Like last week, I started out with black. One, you know, took me all day. I go down there and catch five fish. But when the fish start biting, it's time to go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I get out there and I'm fishing, you know, with this Amish guy. I mean, I'm standing there, you know, right on the bank and fishing parallel straight. There's a bridge right here, so I'm just fishing right up on the bank. It's, you know, I'm up to my my waist in water and this Amish guy comes in, you know, and kind of in your space. Yeah. He can <laughs> shoulder to shoulder with me. Whoa. Man. And I'm just like, you know, then I catch one and it's a pretty good size one. It's about a 16 inch or pound and a half. And, and, and my, that fish is running all over the place. I mean, and I thought, God almighty, you guys going to get tangled. I hope that finally he says, well, I better reel it in, you know, but I thought he was kind of rude to walk down there and get in my spot. Well, I feel like there's an, I hardly ever fish, but I feel like there's a, a universally understood code of noise. And like, if you're around, you know, whatever you're skiing or boat swimming, whatever it is that you're doing, like give that person their space yeah. and don't make a whole shit ton of noise. Right. And just and then keep doing what you're doing. Like it's, keep moving. It's like golf, man. You gotta have etiquette in, in, in fishing. You know, give you know, that's their spot. Give them some space, you know. Yeah. There's plenty of room to fish. You yeah. don't have to but right right where I was is a very popular spot. Oh, okay. Very popular. Okay. I mean, rarely when I get down there I can get over to that spot. I just saw that nobody was there, you know, five thirty, six o'clock. I'm you know, sun's going down. And yeah. So I said, I'm not having any luck where I was. And well, I'll just go over there, you know, and then I start catching them, you know, and then this ding dong comes ding along. Dong comes in. And... <laughs> no, but I, uh, you know, I didn't get mad at him or nothing. Sure. You know, I don't, I'm not like that. But I, what I learned is I learned something from them. I watched. Okay, what you what 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 kind of rig you got there, man? You know what are you dealing right. with? And, you know, so this guy's got a little little red bobber, 
and he's got a he's got a called a um, John Deere jig. They call it John Deere. Okay. It's, I mean, it's little, one twenty fourth of an ounce, Blair. Really small. Wow. Different colors. Well, he's fishing white, and he's got two split shots, and um, which are really one one twenty fourth of an ounce. Two of them. You know, to get that. So he's got that bobber, that little red bobber. It's basically just a piece of firefoam, styrofoam shaped into a little bobber. And it's about a half an inch, you know, with a stick you put in there to keep it, you know, from not going down the line. Yeah, yeah, of course. So he's got it just enough to where that red bobber is sticking about eighth of an inch out of the water. Oh, wow. So anything that taps that. And it goes down. You, you know, it's it's it was very smart. I mean, that he he gets a strike, and anything that touches it's going down, really fast. So you got to be really on it, and have a tight line. And so I did. I learned. Thanks a lot, Amish guy. Yeah, that I was I, you know, originally pissed off at. <laughs> but yeah, I you know I always do that. I mean, there's occasionally I get down there and somebody will come up and start talking to me or, what are you using? You know, or I see you're catching fish over here. What? Can I, you know, I, don't, I haven't fished down here very much. Can I ask you what you're using? I mean, I've had people come down there and ask me, you know. Yeah. You know, I had some people come down. What? Oh, I really like to use these uh, lures that I call mind your own fucking business. No, I'm I mean, kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, um, when you go down there, everybody, you want everybody to catch fish, man. You don't yeah. want nobody to go down and get skunked or right. anything. So right. you, no, you educate them. It took me a long time to go down there and. And learn how to catch fish. They people think that you know, okay, they're everywhere. You can see them. I can catch those real easy. No, hell no. That's not the way it works. Right. You know, it's not. It, it's a little bit of luck and it's a little bit of skill. Yeah. You know, and you. You 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 know that's the way I I like to throw it out there and I like to. Make that. I call it making that jig dance in the water. Sure. Yeah make it dance yeah. i can make it dance and and get a trout to bite you know i i i don't i can go and tie a worm on and go get some minnows but i like doing it the hard way sure. i mean i like being in the stream right there with them it's I mean, a thrill the, thrill of the chase right thrill of the chase man it's it's um Bennett Springs is a very beautiful place to me. It's a very special place yeah, to me. Yeah. Um, I've fallen in love with it. I'd rather go down there than go anywhere else in the world. I mean, I don't know, man. I love just being in the stream and it's quiet and listening it's, to nature. And, it's your Zen spot. Huh? Your Zen spot. Yeah. It's my release. Nice. Release. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it, it, it's good for the soul. It's it's good, you know. My favorite thing to do, I mean, is take my son. My son Heck is yeah. my yeah. son has been doing it, and he has gotten really good at it. Nice. I mean, good. he can go and handle his own shit. He knows how to catch him, get him off the stringer. The only thing he can't do is tie a jig on the, you know. And I'm like, dude, we've got to get this knot down. I mean, because that's what I want him to do. Right. You know. I think it's very special to me. Take your son fishing. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a very special thing to me. 
my dad, you know, I never, my dad wasn't a fisherman. I mean, he's, you know, he's a, you know, restaurant man, you know, right. he, he didn't like the outdoors. I mean, and so how I got accustomed to the outdoors was my, my aunt's husband, uncle Eddie up there in Polo fishing in ponds and telling me and showing me how to tie knots and, you know, he inspired the hell out of me. Yeah. I mean, but never, never wanted to hunt too much. I mean, I liked to hunt, but I hunted back when I was in high school in North Carolina, but did both, but, um, just never wanted a gun in the house. Right. Yeah. I don't want a gun in the house. I hear you. I don't want to carry a gun. I don't want to, you know. What about compound bow? Would you ever hunt with one of those? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the way my my cousins up there hunt. They okay. won't shoot anything with a with a with a gun. Nice. It's too easy. Yeah, right. They're gonna do it the hard way. Thrill of the chase. I mean, that's why my uncle says always, you know, thrill of the chase. You know, catching a big fish on light line. Right. Fighting that fish. Right. Using that drag. You know, fighting that fish. Yeah. You know, there's a, and that's and he's got me into just. I just love old light tackle, ultra light, small nice. jigs. You can two pound test, you know, okay, let's try out and see if you can snap my line. You know, now I don't, you know, bad day fishing, you know, beats a good day at the office. Isn't that how it goes the, in the kitchen, in the kitchen, right? You know, I'll drive three hours to fish for six hours. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah. But I like driving. I mean, I like my driving. Sure. I, you know, I like cruising down the highway. Yeah, I like taking can, road trips. And listen to Fear Inoculum a couple times. Yeah. Cranking the music up yeah. and being in my own little world. And Well, listen, man, we're rolling up on 1030. I know. Uh, I got to be up in the morning. I do. I do. More importantly, I got to be asleep because I'm, uh, I'm gassed. I'm, I'm run, running on fumes. Um, I, I, was supposed to be going to Chicago this weekend. Uh, trip got moved and whatever. So, but I didn't take back my days off, so I'm off tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So I don't have to be up <laughs> tomorrow, but I'm super tired now. Um, and uh, so, take your son fishing. Listen to some tool. Uh, but don't forget about the ones that got you here, the REMs and the Metallicas. Um, and more important. There, there's, there's a lot more. Of course, of course. There, there's not, there's a lot more. There's right. A lot more music that got me here than just Metallica or maybe Maybe, maybe when I get a few names under yours on the wall, we'll have you back to talk about some other stuff. Uh, but for this time, thank you so much. I know Blair, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I know I know the chef life is demanding and can be exhausting and you sometimes don't have a lot of free time. So I appreciate you giving me some of yours and uh Well, I've kinda I got more free time now than I ever have. Right. It's a I've good got thing. more of a You've earned consistent it. quality schedule now. Right. I mean things are consistent and I've been hunting for consistency for a long time. I, I mean decades maybe. As long I mean, as it the, as long as it takes tool to put out a record. <laughs> I mean, I I can sit here and say that 
you know, I was the executive chef. I mean, I, I did it. I did it for 13 years. Yeah. It takes a lot of balls to do it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of willpower. There's a lot of bad times. There's well, a lot the of crazy times. thing is, uh, like, there's plenty. I don't want to say plenty, but there are there are a lot of people out there that, for whatever reason, they were taught well, or they're just naturally gifted, or whatever. Right? They they they're good cooks. They can put a nice meal on a plate. Uh, maybe you even look forward to when they host, so you can co- go eat their food. But that does not make you a chef. You no. have to earn it. Do R and D on your own recipes. Yeah. You have to write a menu. You have to write a, a schedule. You have to hire and fire. You have to train. You have to reprimand. I mean, you have. There's a lot of things. So many responsibilities, and they're all happening all, all the time. And that's that's the and, uh, it. Ne- and it never changes. Like it's you're, you're constantly. There's never. No chef has ever been like. Really wish I had something to do right now. And like you know, if your chef has got their hands behind their head and their feet up on the desk, uh, something somebody's not doing something right to be drumming up sales. The job never ends. Yeah. There's always something to do. Yeah. I mean, if you can't find something to do or I can't find anything to clean, <laughs> I just can't find any ingredients to put anything on that salmon. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, yeah. man, you got you got to walk in full of vegetables and, you know, and you you just become creative. Yeah. It 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 becomes natural. I don't know. Yeah. It's a wild. It's a I mean, wild. I, I'm in a, you know, I'm going to downward spiral in my career. That downward spiral? No, I mean, I'm, I'm coming to the end of, you know, I got about eight years to go. Sure. Seven, eight years ago before I retire. I mean, you know, I, I'm 54. I'm still standing over a stove. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know how many chefs out there that are 55 and still standing over a stove. Good, good ones. You good know? ones. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that show up and do their shit and do it well, right, day in and day out. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm a lot of chefs are. I don't know. I not too many. I would say not too uh, many. You know. A lot of chefs, maybe my age, or more mostly in the office, or right. I, I, I can't sit in the office. Right. I can't do it. That's why Lock Lloyd drove me crazy because it's just there's too much paperwork. I, I'm I'm not an office chef. I, I'm a I'm a working chef sure. in the kitchen. Yeah. I I, I I like being creative. I like coming up with stuff. I like creating dishes. You know, I don't. You know, this is one time in my career that I don't. I still have creativity, but I'm just limited to ingredients. Yeah, you know, yeah. I got to work with what I yeah. what I got. Yeah. Uh, so Earl, does he have PB? He has PB and J roots too, right? Yes. Okay. That's how you and 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 now that okay. Over but, thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. Yaya's. Um, yep. Saute cook. Yeah. And Fedora's. he and he's tight with uh, James Etta. You know James Etta Rhodes. We've talked about her before. 
She opened. Uh, she op- They opened a place together over on. Pas- yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. Paseo. Now I don't know. Cool lady, really yeah. cool lady. Yeah, she was. Uh, she worked there at Bishop Spencer yep. when I was there for yep. a little bit, yep. and then she went down. I think she's down at uh, KU Med. Oh, is she? I think good so. for her. Right on. But they they tried to get a business to going, but it just you know there was some integrity going on there and right yeah i don't you know well yeah, yeah i didn't really get e and j's that was the name of the place yeah and i sold them for a while did you yeah yeah she was a sweetheart yeah uh but it was a tiny spot yeah very few seats but, like now would be a perfect time with all because they did so much takeout yeah now the world is doing so much takeout uh, but when it was they were they were a decade too early <laughs> earl earl's a good man you know i He's 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 a mellow dude. He's inspired me. You know, he's taught me a lot to get my. I mean, right now, I I thank him to getting me. You know, back to being more positive. He's a very sure. positive man. Nice. I mean, there's been a, in the past a lot of negative in my bones, and I'm I've been trying to get rid of that, and I've become more of a positive guy. You know, I don't. I don't know when the last time I've blown up. I I don't. I don't. I, I don't yell at people. I've yelled at anybody in a long time. Good I man. Mean, I mean, I, I my voice is. You know, I've just. I really, you know, I just kind of stopped giving a shit. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what drives me? What drives me? Is. You know, people don't have that passion like I have. Right. And that's what pissed me off the most. Yeah. You know? That you don't care. Yeah. You don't give a shit. Yeah. And that's, Blair, That that's, that probably says it right there in a nutshell. Yeah. Most things that, I mean, if, like, like Earl, we get along so well. I mean, it's like we've known each other for so long that It's, it's 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 awesome yeah and I've been looking for that it's a it's a brotherhood man. right right you, you to have executive chef and to have a sous chef that you can trust it's got to be a brotherhood man you've got to love each other yeah I mean unconditionally yeah because you guys are gonna go through some shit you're gonna get mad at each other you know but at the end of the day yeah you know, it's got to be that brotherhood. You, it's got to have that brotherhood, and I, I've I've been searching for it and searching for it, and and you know I I found it. You know him being the executive chef and him me being his assistant, and but you know we 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 tend to try to make our lives easier and work smarter, not harder. You know, right. as we grow and I keep going, we find ways to to get things done faster. Right. Well, and find different ways to get them done. So. Sh- shouts out to Earl for being the other half of your brotherhood. Go watch The Bear on Hulu. Uh, you'll see a little bit of that in there, and you'll see a little bit of energy trying to make that not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's well worth it. So thank you, Eric Barkley. Uh, thank you, Blair Johnson, for having me. Absolutely. We've well, had a good time. We man. have. I can sit here. And go all night long. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, you know, I got to get home. Yeah. 
Are you still north? Are you north of the river? No. No, I'm in Olathe. Olathe. That's yeah. right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, you My got My favorite it. town in Johnson County, man. I, I don't know why, but I get, I, I get it far south as I can. There you go. <laughs> All right. Let's get you there, man. All Thanks. Right, buddy. Bye. Yeah, man. Awesome. Look at her.